Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I'm joined by Dave Somerville. How are you doing, Dave? Uh, it's always a joy to be here, so looking forward to a good show. Yes, indeed. Now, last week was a Thanksgiving weekend, so that mm. means, Dave, that this week we're into December football. Because the first game, the Thursday game, is on the 1st of December. Generally, this is everyone's favourite time of the year. Maybe not Maybe not if you're a Broncos or Rams fan this mm. year. <laughs> I don't know. But generally speaking, it's everyone's favourite time of the year. December football, this is where things get real. We've got the run-up for the playoffs. I mean, you know, in the words of the great Jim Mora. Uh, d- playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> it's never been more, never been more true than than this week. So, Dave, we've got our week twelve recap to do, and then we've got a week thirteen rapid fire preview. Of course, we have random stats. Um, so, why don't we jump straight into it with the Thanksgiving games? And the first one, of course, was the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions and wouldn't you know it Dave 66,553 people packed into Ford Field where actually the Bills played the week before because of snow in Buffalo and their game um, against was it the Browns they were playing I think it was the Browns Um, but this time yeah so basically this is like their second game in a row at Ford Field Uh, this time they were taking on the Detroit Lions so the Bills were the away team and they came away with a sneaky 20 28-25 28-25 victory over the Detroit Lions. Dave, what did you make of this game? It was actually a really exciting game to watch. It was sort of going backwards and forwards, um, although Buffalo tended to look the better team uh, on the day. And of course, unfortunately, Von Miller did get taken off with an injury. But what did you mm. make of this game? I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Uh, I, I think the Lions really kind of went toe-to-toe. At times, they did look like they were kind of hanging on by their coattails. Um, but what what they managed to do on uh, offense, particularly Goff with his kind of big throws, I mean, half his, half his yardage. Uh, he got 23 or 37 for 240 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, which is decent enough. Uh, but half his yardage was to Amon Ra St. Brown, and he had a fantastic game. I was really, really impressed with Amon Ra St. Brown. The Lions have a steal in him at wide receiver. Nine receptions, 122 yards, one touchdown. He also got one uh, kind of jet sweep for uh, for seven yards, which was good. Um, don't forget about the running game. Your Jamal Williams, 18 carries for 66 yards. Doesn't sound that impressive, but he got the yardage when they needed to. So he was picking up a couple, two, three yard gains um, to get the first down, which fantastic. That's what they needed. He also got a rushing touchdown. Amon Ra Brown, think uh, Amon Ra St. Brown also got in for one touchdown, <laughs> along with Jamal Williams, one touchdown. DJ Shark also got in for one as well. But the Lions were really good. The Bills were just better. And, you know, Josh Allen on his feet, 10 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown. He was, that, that, that's just carrying. And then through the air, 24 42, 253 yards, two touchdowns. He did have that one pick, though, but they did enough. Uh, Stefan Diggs, eight receptions. Isaiah McKenzie, six receptions. Gabe Davis, four. He was throwing it to his key guys, and that's what seemed to do it in the end. It was a it was a weird, a weird kind of back and forth game. The quarterbacks weren't on point, but they did enough to be pretty competent. And you know, if it wasn't for Josh Allen on the feet, I think the Bills would have been in a lot of trouble. 
we've been talking the past few weeks now about the MVP race. Uh, Josh mm-hmm. Allen was the clear favourite at the beginning of the season. First sort of three, four weeks sort of tailed off a bit. Patrick Mahomes, I think now, is definitely in with the shirt for, for being MVP uh, this year. But Josh Allen, on, on the ground, he is a monster. He's yeah. an absolute beast. <laughs> so difficult to take down such a big, strong guy. And he got it done when it mattered the most for the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to be moving on now and we come to the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys at at and T Stadium and 93,568 fans watched their Dallas Cowboys win this one by a score of 28-20. to 20. Giants took an early lead with a Graham Gano field goal shout out for the Scottish guy there. But the Cowboys then uh, took, retook the lead with uh, Ezekiel Elliot rush for Saquon Barkley put the Giants back in front and they were leading right up until halfway through the third quarter Dave uh, but the, the Cowboys then started to pull away and Micah Parsons just had you know a, a fantastic game uh, again for for the Cowboys Um what do you think of this Cowboys team first of all before we talk about the game where do you see this Cowboys team going they're, they're eight and three now but they do look like they've got some holes. I think this game was a lot closer than a lot of people would have thought it was, particularly considering the absolute, you know, beatdown they put on the week before. What do you make of this Cowboys team just before we talk about the actual game? Yeah, well, I I, I think they've got one of the best run attacks in the entire league with Zeke and Pollard um, both getting it done. Um, Pollard was a little bit quieter in this game, but that defense is scary. That I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Mike Parsons, another two sacks. He's put, he's now second in the league in sacks this year. It's only the Patriots' defensive tackle uh, who's ahead of him. Um, but they, I mean, I I think they could. You're you're looking at kind of NFC uh, championship contenders. Um, I I think the Eagles are going to win mm-hmm. uh, the division, but I I think the Cowboys are scary good. I did see a few holes in the offense, though, in this game. I, I think C.D. Lamb had a really good game, but there was a couple uh, plays that maybe he could have done better on, or Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup had a good game as well, a couple plays that maybe he could have done better. Um, but Dak, 21 of 30, 261 yards, two touchdowns. That, it's a, that sounds pretty reasonable, yes, about 70% completion rating. But then he had two picks as well which is worrying, and that is not what you want from your franchise quarterback. So at the moment, the only kind of leaks, maybe just a, a little refining with the wide receivers and maybe Cooper Rush back in at quarterback would probably uh, help him maybe a little bit considering <laughs> what, happened, what happened earlier in the season. Um, but I, I think they were up against a poor Giants side in this game. And the Giants, um, they, I mean, the Giants went into the half 13-7 up and I thought, oh, this is... This is going to be a uh, potential for a shock, but then the Giants just didn't come out in the second half. They, they that second quarter, they were pretty much annihilated. Um, and to be honest, the the looking at the second half, the, the scoreline flattered New York, and the Cowboys deserved their victory in the end. But Daniel Jones was poor, twenty one of thirty five, two hundred twenty eight yards and one touchdown. He didn't throw the he didn't throw a pick, but he threw the ball a lot, and he threw it into the dirt quite a few times just to basically um stop the sacks or um the you know, I mean the coverage was really good for the Cowboys as well. But I, I I what I took from this game was that the Cowboys 
were competent in situations where they're behind or when they're chasing the game. The Giants struggled uh, in the second half. And yeah, I, I feel like the, the Cowboys are probably are almost certainly the real deal and one of the main contenders for the NFC. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. The Cowboys definitely mm-hmm. do look like one of the better. And, you know, they're 8-3. Uh, being yeah. in the same division with this Eagles team, that's going to be tough for them. The Eagles don't really seem to have many uh, holes in their team at all. The thing that gets me with the Cowboys is the inconsistency. And I'm. it seems like almost every year I'm saying the same thing about the Cowboys. There are certain weeks where they just turn it on and absolutely put the screws in some teams. And then there's other weeks where you look at them and you go, this doesn't look like the same team. And and this was actually one of those weeks. They won the game and mm-hmm. they played better than the Giants. And I know, you know, we were saying, you know, the Giants are seven and four, but I think we can all agree the Giants record flatters them. It, it does. It really I, I, it, does. It, yeah. And this Cowboys team, considering, as I say, what they did last week, you'd have thought that they would have absolutely blown the Giants to pieces and they didn't you know mm-hmm. it was an eight point victory at the end and yeah i mean at one point they were up bigger you know they were up was it 20 to 13 i think it was uh before the, the giants scored you know in the last yeah the giants the scored game. really late on yeah, yeah yeah really late on but it it didn't look you know during the game like the cowboys were infinitely superior to the giants where they really should be with, with all the stars they've got on that team they really should be so i'm not worried about the giant the cowboys not worried about them I just have the horrible feeling that once again they're going to get into the playoffs and just lose in the first game. I mean, they've not won a mm. playoff game in so long. I forget how long it's been since they won a playoff game. It's a long time. Um, yeah. So I'm just sort of, I'm not, I said worried. I'm not worried. Mildly concerned. Mildly mm-hmm. concerned. Um, so that was the um, second of our Thanksgiving games, obviously being in Dallas, first in Detroit. We then I did have one final game on Thanksgiving, and it was the Minnesota Vikings, the New England Patriots at US Bank Stadium. And this one was an absolute doozy. And 66,918 fans watched this game just rock backwards and forwards. And the Minnesota Vikings came away with a 33-26 to win. But Dave, I have to ask you, was that a catch on the goal line? Should that have been a touchdown for the Patriots? I watched it, and I watched it again, and I watched the angle again, and again, and again. I thought, that's, that's, I don't know how they're calling that incomplete. I, I don't understand. Yeah. To me, it doesn't look like the ball ever touched the ground. So even if you're saying... He lost possession, you know, when he's stretching the ball over the goal line. It he then caught it again, but they called it an incomplete pass. It never, to my mind, it never touched the ground. But um, I'll put it to you first, Dave, because there's lots of things to talk about in this game. Uh, not least of all, one Justin Jefferson. What did you think? First of all, do you think that was a catch? Because obviously it was ruled incomplete. I thought it was a catch. I thought it was a catch. I I still think it was it was a catch um the only thing that i can see that they were thinking is there was the slightest movement before his is when he hit the ground his hand was underneath the ball but there was a slight movement when he's going down which i think maybe he thought maybe he's not quite 100 percent in control so that's the only thing i can think of it but i i when i saw it I th- and they were showing the replays i thought yeah that's a catch 
that 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 looks like a catch to me. We don't want to be talking about the refs all the time, but right now, when there are big calls being made and they are not making the correct calls all the time or to to the standard that they should be, this is worrying. We've seen it for the last few years. There have been serious, serious concerns about some of the calls. I mean, you can go back a few years, um, look at the call with the Rams and the Saints um, when Nico Roby Coleman took out the Saints uh, receiver way before the ball uh, was about to reach him and there was it was a no call and basically cost the Saints uh, the chance to go to the, the Super Bowl. You know, we, we, we go back to things like that. It's happening year after year after year. It, they're humans, they're imperfect. But these big moments, I mean, that could have changed the entire game. It, it, it would have changed the entire game. But I, I would have erred on the side of touchdown. I, I, I didn't see anything to say that's not a touchdown. But that's as far as I can kind of say, uh, you know, w- without kind mm-hmm. of without the rule book in front of me, but there was slight movement, but I, I think... Yeah, I mean, there was movement. I think what they were saying was that the ball touched the ground. I I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it. it touched the ground at all. I no, thought his I glove was it. underneath it, but do you know what? They're the guys there. We're not. Maybe they've got better quality cameras than we do. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this game, Dave, I mean, my goodness, uh, Justin oh. Jefferson went off again. There was loads to like in this game. There was long-range touchdowns galore, and both quarterbacks actually played well. So give us your viewpoint on that. I mean, yeah, it, it was what, what a first half. The, the first half was just brilliant. I, I was, you know, ready to go to bed and obviously work in the morning. I didn't want to go to bed. I didn't want to go to sleep. You know, it's like half past, half past two, three o'clock in the morning. What, what kind of, you know, they're just slinging it. And between the two teams, 767 yards of offense. That's massive. The Patriots passing yards. I, I mean, the, the, I'm just, just a, a, wee, a wee side note that I saw earlier. There is now rumors that free a, a certain free agent quarterback could be going to the Patriots. Would this that, uh, certain free agent quarterback <laughs> happen to be an extremely dashing gentleman, by any chance, uh, currently uh, residing in the Bay Area in California? Uh, he's in a Bay Area, but he's not in California. Are you talking about a certain other quarterback who's uh, <laughs> got long bedraggled hair? <laughs> no, oh, oh well... Well, he, used, he did. He did at one point. At one point, he had one of those Justin Herbert headbands on. I wasn't sure what that well, was all about. All I'm, all I'm going to say is that it's the return to the Patriots. There is a rumor that there has been people reaching out to one TB12 for a potential return to New England. Oh, behave yourself. No, that that's, one. Oh, it, no. I was, that, I, came I, out, I, that came out today. No. No. What, no that, that'll that, never happen. That's what I thought, but Never. multiple sources have said that there has been some sort of communication about it. Until until either Ian Rappaport or Rich Eisen tells me that, I'm not believing it. Mm. I'm just I'm well, just I'm just not because I no there's there's no way the the way that that uh, Tom Brady left New England it just seemed like there was so much bad blood there, and I don't think Belichick would stand for it. And I, although I know that Robert Kraft, you know, he loves oh, Tom he loves, Brady. Yeah, oh, he loves my Brady. God, it's just disgusting how much he likes Tom Brady. Um, I think that, I honestly think that if Robert Kraft insisted Tom Brady becoming a Patriot again, I think Belichick would be out of there. 
You think Belichick would just retire on the spot? No, I think he'd go to another team to prove he can win Super Bowls without Tom Brady, someone else. Mm, that's, that's what I think he would one. do. Yeah. Now, I, I could be completely wrong because, let's be honest, this reason, this season, I've really been right. But uh, this is an anomaly for, for our listeners. You know, the fact that mm. I've been wrong every week, this doesn't happen. Uh, even though it has happened every week, I've been wrong constantly. <laughs> I, just, I just think I should just put that out there, Dave. But uh, no, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't see that happening. I thought you were talking about Jimmy G. And then well, I thought you were I, talking about Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Well, and, I know. I, th- I, th- I heard you going through your progressions. It was. Each, each kind of route first. Your, your first quarterback, nope, not him. Second quarterback, nope, not him. And then your kind of tight end, who is your fourth choice tight end, <laughs> comes in for Ward instead. But yeah, just, just, well, I mean, just go back to the game. I, when I, re- I read this today, and I was, I was quite shocked, especially after what Mac Jones was able to do against the Vikings in the last game. Because if, if Tom Brady went back to the Patriots, that would trigger Mac Jones being traded. That, that, that's what the kind of whispers are. I think um, they're better off with Mac Jones. I don't think, I don't think, why would you have Tom Brady back? I, I don't see the need for it. You, you there is at, no need you, for you, it. No, well, other I mean, than to sell, do you know what, to sell jerseys, that's why. Well, maybe, but at the same time, you've got your first round quarterback in Mac Jones that you you know you you spent a lot of money um, researching and scouting and draft and you you know you go out and draft him. Um, Bailey Bailey Zappi isn't that bad a backup uh, no, for, for the Patriots, not at all. And he, you, you know, you you spoke of Mac Jones. This game is twenty eight to thirty nine for three hundred eighty two yards, two touchdowns, and a rating of one hundred nineteen point eight. And you need that when you can't get the run game going. But at the same time, they they did they ran. Um, I think it was twelve plays that they ended up running, um, or, or you know, uh, kind of designed runs, um, and they only managed to get fifty two yards from that. So that that that's what it's mm. not a lot at all. No. Um, but you know, Mac Jones, like I said, three hundred eighty two yards through the air. Uh, and he was and he was throwing it. He was he had six different receivers. They all had three receptions, at least three receptions, including the running back Stevenson, who had nine receptions for seventy six yards. He got two touchdowns. Well, Hunter Henry coming up big with with um, three receptions for sixty three yards, and then uh, the main the main kind of wide receiver there, Devontae Parker. He had four receptions for eighty yards, and you know he was he was really good. That's probably back to one of one of if not the best game that I've seen from Mac Jones. So I was really mm. impressed with him. And then it was it was almost disheartening to see those rumors that Brady, you know, Brady's been sounded out potentially for a move back. Which... He won't, he won't he won't come back. He's he's happy. He's in Florida. It's nice and warm. You know, he's an old man now. He's my age. And I mean, since his Super Bowl, things have gone downhill a bit for Tom Brady. Let's, let's be quite they're honest. They're going to, though. They're going to go downhill, but he's not paying any income tax. Why would he go back to New It's cold well, in New England yeah. in the winter. I mean, it's lovely in the summer. Gorgeous. Yeah. You know, up, yes, up, up in Massachusetts does there. But. They don't play in the summer, though. Exactly. <laughs> up, up, up there. So, yeah, yeah it, it's something to take, take a note of. Um, just on the other side of the ball as well, Vikings coming away with the win. Kirk Cousins was... He was that, that's one of his best games for a while at Kirk Cousins. He's had a good season, but I think this was one of his best games, even though he had one interception. But he made some really good decisions, a couple good audibles as well. Um, they couldn't get the run game uh, going at all. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries for 42 yards in the run game. was He was just non-existent, just could not break through the Patriots' uh, defensive line, really. Uh, and then when he did, the linebackers were there to stop him. So Kirk Cousins, 30 of 37 for 299 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. But of course, his main man, 
really came up trumps. Nine receptions, 139 yards and a TD for Justin Jefferson. And also, he did also throw for the first down, I think, as well. One one attempt, 11 yards. That's all you need. So you got he, he ran it. No, sorry, he didn't run it. He threw it <laughs> and he caught it. So maybe not in the same play, but he's pretty good. And do you know what? The, the player that I think was one of the best kind of acquisitions for them, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, who came up trumps again. Five receptions, 43 yards and a touchdown. And he also made some pretty good blocks uh, when he wasn't out there catching the ball. So, yeah, fantastic game. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't think Vikings or Patriots fans enjoyed it because it was probably a heart in the mouth kind of um, plays. But, you know, it was 16 all at half at half time. I was thoroughly enjoying it. I didn't. I. I. I missed most of the fourth quarter because I was. I kind of zonked out and went to the land at that point. So, yeah, that that was. Uh, it was coming up to four o'clock in the morning. So I, you know, four hours sleep before work. It, it, it was worth it. Yeah, it's 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 not good for you doing that. I mean, it's fine for you at your age, but wait till you get to my age, you can't do that anymore. So we'll move on and we'll come to the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals at Nissan Stadium. 69,441 fans watched their Tennessee Titans. Oh, take a beating from the new the Cincinnati I was going to say the New England Bengals definitely not oh. Cincinnati Bengals 20 to 16 both teams they've now at 7 and 4 what did you make of this one where's Derek Henry we need to get a missing persons report out because Derek Henry was well, apart from a couple big a couple big uh, passing uh, completions in the run game he was just not there it's 17 carries for 38 yards couldn't make the cut. I, I I thought there was something wrong with him at first because he he, was, he looks quite slow uh, at first, um, or when he was running the ball. Um, but I think it's maybe just credit to the Bengals that they were able to stop him. Um, Joe Burrow, yeah, he was okay. Um, a, a good few incomplete passes though. Twenty two or thirty seven, uh, two hundred seven yards, one TD. He didn't throw any picks though. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, is is um, his main man T Higgins came up with it because you know obviously they've still got some injury wears at, um, at the Bengals, but it was a scrappy game that they managed to see out, and they, that fourth quarter touchdown was what really did it. And um, I th- the the Titans just didn't have anything to really answer. They one touchdown in the in the game on offense and uh, three field goals. They, they couldn't really answer the Bengals. They didn't have the kind of necessary. Um, I, I want to say fight for one of a better word. They didn't have the fight um, against the Bengals, and I don't know was it a motivation thing, but they just kind of looked a beaten team at times. And yeah, I, I think they they didn't try hard enough to win. I'm afraid. So yeah, it's it's a it's a the Titans will go to seven and four. The Bengals also now on seven and four, and I think it kind of opens up the AFC playoffs even more. It certainly doesn't. You're absolutely right about Derrick Henry there. But this this Bengals defense, I think, is actually sneaky good. It's a team we'd never really talk about the defense of this Bengals. Mm-hmm. But they definitely stepped it up, um, particularly against that uh, running game of the Tennessee Titans. So we then move on to the next game, and it was the Cleveland Browns versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at First Energy Stadium. And 67,431 fans watched Dave's prediction come true. 
because yeah. the Cleveland Browns won this one in overtime, 23-17. to 17, And I'm going to be honest with you, I did not see this coming. With 32 seconds to go in the game, the Browns were down 17-10. to 10, But a pass from Jacoby Brissett playing in what's likely to be his last game? Second last game? Last game. Last game. Last yeah. game. As a Cleveland Brown to David Njoku. 12-yard touchdown pass to tie it up. And then... Um, in overtime, it almost went right. With I thought it was going to go to a tie because neither team could get anything going in overtime. But then they finally got a big play and then Nick Chubb took it three yards in with 19 seconds to go in overtime to give the Browns a 23-17 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dave, it's all yours. What did you make of this game? I mean, it pretty much went as I thought it was going to be, but aside from the big plays from the receivers for the Browns, because there was a few big plays, especially from Amari Cooper. Um, I'm pretty sure Njoku had a big catch on fourth down, massively important. But Amari Cooper, what, he's just he's showing the, the Cowboys why they should never have let him go. Can you imagine what that Cowboys offense would look like if Amari Cooper was still there? No, no, he, thank you. He, Exactly. So I, I, I think he's been one of, if not the best players for the Browns this season. And in this game, he kind of summed it up. He didn't get the touchdown that he really deserved from this, but seven receptions, 94 yards. He, he was brilliant. Jacoby Brissett was pretty good, except from the one pick. He was uh, 23 or 37. He did what I thought he was going to do, which was a lot of short throws just to get the yardage going. Uh, he got 210 yards, which was, yeah, it was decent. Um, he was throwing all over the show, though. I think he had eight different uh, receivers or people catching for him in the game. Um, Nick Chubb, he, he was he was decent. He had a he had a good few he, he had a good a good few yards um, or good few plays where he had big yardage, um, and he got also got that key touchdown as well. But um, there was the run from Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver. Uh, that, that just caught the Buccaneers out completely and he picked up 31 yards in the touchdown with it so I was quite impressed with that Jacoby Brissett just kind of took off at one point as well uh, for a, a, a big gain uh, running Kareem Hunt was just non-existent but I think he didn't really need to be other side of the ball Tom Brady just Tom Brady things he, he kind of fought it out a bit but yeah, there was a few drop catches. Couldn't really get the run game going again. Julio Jones got a good run, though. Um, he had a 15-yard run at one point. Chris Godwin, though, fantastic. He had a fantastic game. He uh, between him and uh, Reggie White, uh, Reggie White, Rashad White. Sorry, um, <laughs> Reggie White. R.I.P. Reggie White. The R.I.P. Reggie White. Yeah, Rashad White. Uh, th those were his two main targets for the entire game. Um, 12 receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown for Godwin and White. Nine receptions for 45 yards. So they 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 were pretty. Um, I mean, we we know Brady likes his kind of consistent receivers. Um, and really eyeballs them if they don't make the big plays that he wants them to make. So, yeah, what a shame. Bucks lose again, and now they're five and six. Uh, five and Browns si move to four and seven. The 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 Bucks are five and six, and currently in first place of their division, and are going to host a playoff <laughs> game. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible that the Buccaneers could finish six and eleven. And, so we'll get home field and get ho a home playoff game. This is a this is a possibility. People mm -hmm. need to realize, and only this could only happen to Tom Brady. Only Tom Brady. Yeah. 
Nobody else. Ridiculous. Not that he's had any help this year whatsoever from the NFL. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, oh, I, also, just a small side note there. Reggie White as a wide receiver, that would be terrifying. I bet you he could have done that in his day. I bet oh, you he uh, could. Yeah. He could have played tight end at least. He was so athletic. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't like to be the cornerback um, if Reggie White, if <laughs> you have to God. kind of you cover Reggie White. That would be... I mean, I'd be kind of um, retiring on the spot if I it's was told, it's not yeah, like, you need to cover him. <laughs> back in back in the sort of the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, like when Shannon Sharp was a tight end, and then when, uh-huh. you know, t- uh, Tony Gonzalez came along, and guys like, you know, Antonio Gates, and, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, um, matchup nightmares. Could you imagine Reggie White coming <laughs> for a screen pass? You were like, that, hey, no, what, thank you. Yeah. That's one of the things with Travis Kelsey, though. He's such a big guy. Is he not something like 250 pounds? Yeah, He's Travis, like, Travis Kelsey's yeah. a monster. And, you know, obviously, exactly. you know, Rob Gronkowski. And that, that's what, yeah, that's Gronk. why someone like Rob Gronkowski was scored so many touchdowns. It's impossible. Who do you put in him? Who do you put on a guy that size? Because he's faster than all of your linebackers. He's much bigger than all of your corners and your safeties. You know, you, you what do you put after three guys in him in every single play? Well, you can't do that, and that's why uh, some of these tight ends putting, are putting up monster numbers. Uh, but uh, Reggie White would have been the greatest tight end of all time if he'd if he decided to do that. I'm, I'm convinced, <laughs> convinced. R.I.P. Reggie, we've got you. Yeah, uh, never forgotten. So then we're going to move on to the uh, next game. It was a Hard Rock Stadium, the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans, and. Well, how do I put this? 66,205 fans basically watched the Miami Dolphins go out to a 30 to nothing lead by halftime. Uh, and it was never close. The The Dolphins basically stopped playing at this point. The Texans scored a few points and the, uh, the final score was 30 to 15. But at no point was this result ever in doubt. The Texans seemed to be in trouble. I think they made a mistake benching um a mills whose first name i've forgotten already uh he was benched for one game oh my word what's the uh, name davis mills davis davis it's because he's got yeah. a second name as a first name is that what it is that, that's why i couldn't remember yeah so second name is a first name it's a strange thing he's got two second names davis and mills it's weird you know like sometimes you see guys who've got like two first names mm. it's like almost every person that i'm aware of who has the first name Logan, has a first name as a second name. Logan Paul. Yes. As an idea. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Is there not also a Logan Scott? Logan Scott, yes, that, that yeah. rings a bell. Logan I can't Ryan. can't think of any other Logan. Logan Ryan, yeah. You see, yeah. What, see what I mean? People who called Logan tend to have a first name as a second name. I, it, I'm not making this up. And, I, and I'm sure there are people called Logan, if anyone called Logan is listening, and you've got a normal second name. You know, it's up to Twitter. <laughs> Normal second. Well, well, it's, it's a second name. It's not, it's not a first name. It's a second name. You know, like a normal second name. Well, I mean, I... mean I, I, yeah, yeah, just, so just, you're, you're, well, you're, just... Right, so your second name is Somerville. That's a, that's a second yeah. name. You wouldn't meet that someone who had that as a first name because that's not a first name. Look, I, I've, I've met a guy called Donald McDonald, right? So don't, oh, yeah, don't talk okay, to me right. about so it. <laughs> for, those, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Scottish surnames. Western um, Isles. And particularly in the Western Isles. Particularly yeah. out here in the Outer Hebrides. 
Um, there are a lot of McDonald's and McNeil's, you know, and, and, you know, McCallum's, McLeod's. There's all, a lot of Macs, okay? So because there's a lot of Macs, and the Mac is a prefix to a first name, Mac meaning son of... Mm-hmm. Just like in, in, in Scandinavia, where they have sun on the end, you know, like a Nielsen and Larsen and things like that. So because of that, you get a lot of Donald McDonald's and Neil yes. McNeil's. And it happens a lot. <laughs> like I'm talking a lot of the time. That's why everyone up here has nicknames of some kind, because everyone's got the same name. There's only so many to go around. In Scandinavia, it's worse. It's, oh, it's the amount of Lars Larsons yeah. and Niels Nielsons and Henrik Henriksons that are mm-hmm. in Sweden and Norway is just mind-boggling. Anyway, yeah. um, I forgot what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Uh, Dolphins Texans. Dolphins. <laughs> How in God's <laughs> name did I get onto this from Dolphins Texans? Anyway. Oh, yes, Davis Mills. Yes. So Davis, Davis Mills. Mills with his two <laughs> second names, he got benched for <laughs> Kyle Allen, a guy with two first names. What's he playing at? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's never going to work. You need to get someone with a normal first and second name. Anyway, so Kyle Allen comes in for Davis Mills and was absolutely just... eh. It was just... Yeah, I mean, he didn't have the worst game of all time. In fact, he probably played better than Russell Wilson did this week, but they they could get nothing done, and the the defense just could not stop the Dolphins. Um, This Dolphins team, Dave, it looks pretty good so uh, i'm going to stop talking garbage now and i'm going to let you talk about the game what did you make of this one i mean the first half you you said it at the start it was over by half time there's just no other way to go about it, it was over by half time in the first half I'll, I'll read you some stats that i've written down they had 32 total yards of offense the texans and that includes just 19 yards passing through the air and 13 yards on the ground how can you get anything out of a game when that is happening? And the penalties is what the other thing that I noted from this. The, 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 the only penalty, there wasn't that many penalties, but they were stupid penalties that are just, you would, you would expect to get that you know, kind of driven out of you in the college. Because the Texans, they, they had just some very silly penalties. Indiscipline, not good enough. Pretty much all, you know, it, it was just, it was such a negative game. Obviously, they came out and they got they got two touchdowns in the second half. Fair enough, they managed to get something from the game. Well, they didn't, but they got some points to make it look respectable on a score sheet. It really wasn't. And Cal Allen is just, he's just as bad as Davis Mills. Um, just, uh, he, he got one touchdown through the year, obviously, but 26 of 39, 215 yards. And some of the, some of the throws... Uh, he was lucky that his receivers caught them, and the ones that he, he missed the receivers, he was lucky they weren't picks. So he got two uh, two interceptions. Um, I think I, I, I quite liked... Um, is it Xavier Howard, the cornerback? Xavier uh, Howard, For yeah. the Dolphin? Yes. Xavier. He, uh, it's uh, why, yeah. Do we say Xavier or Xavier? Uh, I mean, instinctively, I would say Xavier. See, the but, thing is, I would always say Xavier. But, Xavier. I mean, it, you know, it starts with an X. We don't yeah, see. Well, yeah, for, you don't see. I'm going for a Zare. I'm going for an X-ray. Going for a Zare. I would say Xavier. But, but yes, but at the same time, you don't say I'm going to play the xylophone. No, you don't. 
You say yeah. I'm going to play the xylophone. Yeah, find me the Z. <laughs> find me the Z. That's a good point, well, actually. Yeah, but well, oh anyway, yes, and, it, it, and and xenon, not xenon. Xenon. Yeah, so I'm saying Z- Xavian. Well, I I, I wouldn't even say xenon. I would say xenon. 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 Oh, you've right. been you've been I, listening to far too much American television. Ooh. Xenon. With xenon. A, not any xenon. Xenon. We, 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 we can compromise and call like, it I mean, Zanon. if we're going to be talking about like the way the <laughs> Americans pronounce uh, <laughs> elements. Uh, oh. Aluminium. 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 Alu- aluminium. Or, or yeah, we could just go full blown and just say soccer. <laughs> and just uh, have you been boom. watching the soccer world cup <laughs> but, oh just don't even oh, don't I, don't, even oh I know it's fine we've gone way off track anyway right, Xavier yes. Howard <laughs> fantastic interception and return for the touchdown in the first half and I'm pretty sure that made that made it um 26 and 0 obviously with the extra point coming after uh from Sanders but yeah it, it was just an onslaught the Dolphins just kind of laid back a bit I think at some point I think Tua just uh, was Tua, did Tua go down injured or was he just taken out the game? Because um, I know, I know Skylar Thompson came in. Um, he did. Uh, at one point, actually, Tua got bent over backwards. I thought he'd been killed. Uh, but it, <laughs> it turned out, it just, it just looked really bad. And if ever there was an advert for stretching before you play, that was it. Oh, my oh, word. No. I thought he'd been snapped in half. Well, what I would also say, though, is that Tua on the big plays... Looked really good. However, he had he was twenty two or thirty six, which is not the best completion rate at all. Two hundred ninety nine yards. He did get touched, and he did keep it out of the Texans' defense hands. But I, I'm still not completely convinced um, by by Tua. You know, he's always he's put up so much yards. His stats look amazing. Without Tyree Kill, without Jalen Waddle, he would be he would have been benched. I'm convinced of it. He would be benched. Tua is good, but he's not like the kind of... He, he, he shouldn't be in the MVP discussions, even though his stats say otherwise, I'm afraid. So I'm not a Tua fan. I'm still not convinced. I don't know about you. Are you convinced no, Tua is really the no, real deal? And, and see, when you're talking about the MVP um, discussions, if mm-hmm. anyone in the Dolphins should be in an MVP discussion, it's Tidy Kill. Yeah. Because of the change... That he's made to that offense. Because let's not forget that Jalen Waddle was there last year. He was. And Mike Kosicki was there last year. And everyone was there last year. And they did nothing. You bring in Tyree Kill. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? They, they, they weren't good enough last year. They no, no, no. They not anywhere even, near. Not even close to being good enough mm-hmm. last year. They bring in Tyree Kill and all of a sudden they got some, well, for a for a good portion of the, the the season, they had the most explosive offense in the entire NFL. It was yeah. it looked unstoppable at times. Um, now Tua, in every game that he's started and finished, they've won every single game. So you know, I'll give him props. Tua has been better than he was last year, but I'm no, I'm with you. I'm not buying into the hype uh, around Tua just yet. Um, you know, God love him. I hope he. I, I hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that he does continue to improve and become a long-time starting quarterback. He seems like a nice guy. I'm just, I'm just not seeing the talent uh, on display there yet. Mm-hmm. So why don't we move on, Dave, and we come to one of the most exciting games uh, of the season. This was 
ridiculous. At TIAA Bank Stadium, the Jacksonville Jaguars took on the Baltimore Ravens and in front of 59,560 fans, the Jaguars scored a touchdown with 14 seconds to go, down 20-27. to 27. And then what does the head coach do? What does Doug Peterson decide? He goes for the two points. He goes for it. And he says, sack this, right? We are, I don't know if he actually said sack this. He speaks the guy, he might do. Uh, And and he says, we're three and seven. We're going for the two points. And wouldn't you know, they got a successful two-point conversion. And the Jag, uh, but I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, right? After the two-point conversion, I was like, oh my God, the Jacksonville Jaguars have won this game. I couldn't believe it. There's only 14 Mm -hmm. seconds left. But what do they do? When the Ravens have the NFL's best kicker, the current, well, I say the NFL's best kicker, the best kicker of all time, and the holder of the longest field goal attempt of all time, they squib kick it. And I don't know why. Because I'm saying Kick this. I'm kicking this into orbit. Never mind it at the back of the end zone. This this ball's never coming back. They uh-huh. squib kick it or pooch kick it. Some people say squib, pooch. And it sort of trundles along. And the Ravens get the ball on their own 40-yard line with 10 seconds to go, manage to complete a pass, and then attempt a 67-and-a-bit-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. And I'm not going to kid you, Dave. When that ball went up, I was like, oh my word, he's done it again. But it fell just short. And the Jaguars mm-hmm. come away with a 28-27 victory. I, My heart was pounding in this one. I just couldn't believe what was going on. But the decision to, to squib kick or pooch kick, whatever you want to call it, that kickoff, with 14 seconds on the clock, I was I was losing my mind at that point. I honestly thought the Jaguars were going to throw that one away. And Trevor Lawrence had by far and away his best game. So Dave, give us your opinion on this one. I mean, we've been really spoilt uh, over this Thanksgiving weekend uh, by the games. And this one was one of the best again. It, it was, I mean, it wasn't the highest quality affair. But that at the end of the game, for... Doug Peterson to back Trevor Lawrence to get that two pointer. The game was on the line. They don't get. They don't get that. The game's done. You know, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. But what a call! What guts that they shown. But then, like you said, why risk throwing it away when you've got the man who holds the NFL record? Uh, and he did it. It was. Last season that he did that uh, with the main with the big kick, wasn't yeah, it? against the Lions. That's right and against the Lions. It that's was right. Like sixty six yes. and a bit yards. This mm-hmm. was sixty seven and a bit yards, and it was outdoors. I get mm-hmm. that, but why would you even think of giving them an opportunity to get I don't into field? Because was, yeah. they they got the ball on their forty yard line. Like they only mm-hmm. needed fifteen yards to get into his range. They had ten seconds to do it. More <laughs> yeah, than that. Like I think they got fourteen yards. And yeah. then kick the field goal, but oh my word, my heart was in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, Trevor Lawrence, I was really impressed with in this game. He just doesn't do it consistently enough, and we've said this before. He, he's he's good. The the man's got talent, just doesn't do it enough. He, you know, he he kept the ball out of the opposition's hand, no interception in the game, 
29 or 37 for over 300 yards in the game. They didn't really run the ball. They were their active game plan was throwing the ball primarily, and it it seemed to work. Lamar was kept relatively quiet. He did rack up 89 yards in rushing, um, but through the air, 16 of 32. Lamar was that. That's a 50 percent completion rate. For 254 yards and a touchdown. The only thing that could have made that worse was if he had an interception, which luckily he didn't. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was they they were 50 50 with the run pass because um, Lamar ended up uh, running 14 times. So half of them you can say might have been like kind of busted plays and he was just extending the play and picking up good yardage. But yeah, I'm worried for the Ravens. I, I, they're a good team, but I'm now thinking that. Do do you think uh, okay? I'll I'll put I'll put a question to you that I've been curious about because I haven't really asked anyone else. Do you think Lamar is going to get that massive contract that we think that he should probably get? Because through the air, he's been proving all season. He's he's average, I think, through the air. He's obviously a magician on the feet, but through the air, he, he is pretty average. I think that he will get that contract. Because yeah. and I'll tell you the reason why. Because to me, if if they don't, if they if they don't, if they refuse to give him the money that he wants, and he becomes a free agent and he goes somewhere else, who are you replacing him with? Mm, yeah, that that's the kind of well, that that's why I say about head coaches in particular. You know, <laughs> if you sack a head coach, who are you going to get to replace him? Well, I mean, I can tell you all about that later on. Don't worry <laughs> about that. But um, with someone who has Lamar Jackson's ability, and I'm actually going to speak about Lamar Jackson later on. Uh, in the show mm. here but so to me that there's there's really only one untradeable player in the entire nfl that's patrick mahomes he's the yeah. only player in the entire league that you would not trade there's nothing you could offer the kansas city chiefs nothing that they would trade patrick mahomes they would they just wouldn't do it there's not there's not a single other player in the nfl who is untradeable um so they might trade lamar jackson <laughs> i'm donald <laughs> Oh, oh no, no! I'm I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> if you think that Sean McVeigh wouldn't trade Aaron Donald for Patrick Mahomes, you you you're out of your mind. Mm. You're out of your mind. Mm. He would take Mahomes over Donald in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. But you know who wouldn't do that trade? Kansas City Chiefs. They're not trading yeah. away Mahomes yeah. for Donald. That is not doing it. Like you're, you're crazy. They might accept Aaron Donald and four first round picks and Cooper Cup. Oh. But, oh, but they're not. That, they're that not hurts. trading Mahomes. I'm sorry. Listen, I love Aiden Donald. He's the the greatest interior defensive lineman I've ever seen, and probably of all time, uh, barring maybe people I've never seen play. He's definitely of all the players I've ever seen play the game. He is the greatest interior defensive lineman ever. Yeah, but Just Mahomes is probably the best quarterback ever. Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen, and and because purely because of the positional value. Um, Mahomes is worth more than Aaron Donald. He just, he just is. And um, mm. and if you if you offered McVeigh Mahomes for for Aaron Donald, he he'd trade him. You wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even finish that sentence. That trade would be done. His signature would be on it. Be gone. Um, taking nothing away from Aaron Donald. That's to say. It's just the the best defensive player in the NFL. N- never mind mm-hmm. a defensive lineman. He really is. He just he's something else. I'm shoot fire. Hall of Fame, like like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald is so good and so far ahead of anyone else 
that when he retires, they should just waive the five-year waiting thing for the Hall of Fame and just let him mm-hmm. walk straight in on the day he retires. They should. That's how good Aiden Donald is. I, I firmly believe that. And I know his production may have dropped off slightly from what we're used to, but that's still still pretty damn good production. Aiden Donald's yeah. something else. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting away from it. Um, Lamar Jackson may not be at Mahomes' level, but he's literally just one step down as a team, how valuable he is to the Ravens. And I think if if you tried to replace him with someone else, um, I I think you're going to have a drop-off in production. Um, mm-hmm. I really do believe that. And let's not forget, you look at the receivers in Baltimore. Now, Mark Andrews is a fantastic tight end. Top five, definitely. Top three, maybe, in the entire league. Other than that... They don't have a lot of weapons. Now, previously yeah. they did, uh, and and uh, Lamar Jackson had help in the running game. He's not been getting that. Now, I don't know if that's a, a product of the offensive line not performing as well as it has done in the past, or if it's just the receivers not performing or the running backs not performing as well as they have done in the past. I don't know what the answer is there, but I think they would be very foolish to let Lamar Jackson go. I, I yeah. don't think you can, unless, you know what, there could be some kid coming out of college next year that I've never heard of who proves to be just as good as Lamar Jackson. It's a possibility. Because no one thought Lamar Jackson was going to be Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar Jackson was taken the very end of the first round. Exactly. Nobody so. expected him to, in his second year, win an MVP award. Uh-huh. Go 14-2. and two. You know, set an NFL record for rushing yards. And he is a good passer of the ball. It gets lost. It it gets it gets lost because everyone's just waiting for him to run but a hundred yards a game. He's an excellent passer of the ball. And we'll talk I'm gonna talk about that later. Anyway, sorry, Dave. Um we'll move on. We come to the Washington Commanders, the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field. Fifty-three thousand eight hundred and sixty-four fans watched their Washington Commanders beat the Falcons by a score of nineteen to thirteen. Taylor Heineke does it again. This is a pretty good game, albeit a low-scoring affair. I have no idea why Marcus Mariota is still playing, but Dave, maybe you could shed some light on that. Uh, what did you make of this one? I, I don't know either. I've, I've run out of guesses. I'm just, I, I think at this point, Desmond Ritter must just be an absolute... Just, like, just rubbish. One of the worst picks ever, because Mariota is still coming out every week starting uh, for the Falcons and it's costing them. Uh, they got one touchdown in the entire game. Uh, Mariota threw 15 or 25, 174 yards and didn't even reach the 200 yard mark. One touchdown, one pick as well. Uh, he had a couple runs for 49 yards as well, which was pretty decent, but yeah, it was just below average um, as you're kind of starting to expect from Marcus Mariota. I think starting to, it's been kind. I think you just expect it now from Mariota. Mm. But um, on the other side of the ball, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dis- disappoint you right now because I think T- Taylor Heineke is just a more mobile version of Carson Wentz. Oh, my because word. Because I, 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 I like Taylor Heineke. You should, because that was a that was a pretty uh, rough put down. Well, I, I mean, the 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 reason the reason I think the Commanders won this game was because of their run game, because uh, I mean they racked up some like 170, 170 yards, hundred uh, something like that on yeah. in the run. Uh, but Taylor Haneke fourteen of twenty three for one hundred thirty eight yards. 
He did get two touchdowns, but he also got a pick as well. I, I'd, I'd really worry for the Commanders if Scary Terry wasn't their wide receiver number one. If, if anything happens to them, I think their their entire season goes, I'm afraid to say. Um, they, they, they have average wide, uh, receivers, as far as I'm concerned, except from him. Terry McLaurin is one of the best uh, in the league, and he makes the Commanders be- much, much better. Yeah, they got it done in the run game. That's what really set the whole the, the, the two teams apart. Falcons, they did get uh, about... Well, because with, well, with Mariota running the ball, they got about 160 yards as well. But they were just not competent in the vital situations. And I think that's what really did it because the commanders were getting into field goal position. Um, I think I think I think they had four field goals, if I remember rightly. Um, I, I watched I watched the the game in forty on Game Pass. So if I remember rightly, it was four field goals in the entire game for the commanders. There was no touchdowns in the second half that I can remember. Um, but apart from that, it's a scrappy game. I think we called it last week when we said it was going to be a really low scoring game. Yeah, oh, there yeah. was there was a touchdown in the third quarter. Um, yeah, it was a pa- Taylor Heineke's pass. Uh, I, I just remember that. But yeah, um, it's be- because there was a good few field goals and field goal opportunities. Young Hoku missed a field goal. I was uh, again a bit shocked like that, but it was mm-hmm. quite a distant one. Um, I think that was at the end of the first half. A scrappy game. Not sure how the Commanders have a seven and five record. I'm kind of scratching my head at that. Um, the Falcons are five and seven, which they're kind of deservedly so. Cordell Patterson was. He was okay when he did get the ball. He led yeah, carries fifty-two yards. Yeah. Pretty quiet. They did. They didn't give him many chances. No, uh, they didn't. And Drake London was quiet as well. He he only managed to get two receptions for twenty-nine yards. Obviously, they they were you know good catches and good yards, but relatively quiet for what's kind of widely perceived to be their first first choice or first name on the on the depth chart for wide receiver. So. Yeah, they need to get they need to get him more involved. Mariota needs to, you know, try or they need to kind of um, design plays to get him open more, which I think they were not really doing. Um, but Mariota somehow is still there, and they're right in the playoff hunt as well. I don't know how, but they are. Speaking of people who are still there and we don't know how, we then move to the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos at Bank of America Stadium and 70,644 people uh, watched the Panthers go up 23-3 to with three minutes to go in the game. Final score 23-10. The Broncos were absolutely rotten in this game. And this, unlike most of the games... The Broncos games this year. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk too long about it. Unlike most of the Broncos games though, um, it wasn't a case of one awful decision uh, by either Nathaniel Hackett or Russell Wilson that cost the Broncos this game. This was start to finish appalling. It was god-awful football. And I, I am just, I'm so sorry for any neutral fans who had to watch this Broncos game. It was the most frustrating, annoying, dismal performance. This might have been their worst performance of the year uh as in from start to finish uh dave did you know what did you make of this one i mean we were messaging during the game because i i I thought you know what it's gonna be an interesting game to watch i really hope the broncos do well in this they really didn't did they it was that do you would you say that i I think that's almost as bad as the colts game that it was just they they, it was so so bad i think from a performance wise it was actually worse than the colts game 
Mm. The, 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 the players could get nothing going. Well, how, how many times did they go three and out? Because I, I, I lost you know, count. I, I lost count. I absolutely yeah. lost count. It was awful. There, there was times they had a third and I, I forget what it was. It was like a third and ten or something like that, you know, which is manageable. It's it's long, but it's not impossible. And they run a draw play up the middle right into an eight-man box. And they go, well, what, what? That's a give-up play. Absolute give-up play. And then on, on third and one, they're, they're attempting 40-yard bombs. What, what mm. are you doing? I just, I, I can't wrap my head around this team. And it seems like every week I'm seeing the same thing over and over. I don't understand the play calling. Now, some of the, like the offensive play calling is now, is now out of Nathaniel Hackett's hands, apparently. It's Clint Kubiak who's calling still, plays. It's still uh, Nathaniel Hackett's playbook, though. Well, it shouldn't be because his playbook's <laughs> garbage. I mean, it, yeah. it is. It's the worst play calling. The, this 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 Broncos team, I'm going to give you a small stat here. This is a bonus random stat for you, Dave. The Denver Broncos have the worst scoring offense through 12 weeks since the 2000 Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Now let's, let's cast our minds back to the preseason <laughs> here. Let's cast our minds back. And I was waxing lyrical about this team. And I thought, Dude, oh my word, we've got all the weapons. Everything. And I know there's been injuries. I understand that. But we were expecting 35 points a game. We're barely, um, oh, yeah. barely managing 14 points a game. Barely. It didn't do it against Panthers either. No, I know, 10 points. And it was three points up until three minutes to go in this game. And the only reason they got that was because of a very dubious penalty. Roughing the mm. passer penalty against the Panthers. I saw that, yeah. I think the Broncos had like nine plays from the goal line. It was just, it was unbelievable. It was so bad. And I just, I, I've... I don't want to say I've given up because I will still continue to watch every single game because I'm a fan of the team, but I have mm-hmm. zero expectations for this team now. I'm zero. Yeah. I, I, I don't see how they can win another game this year. I don't see it. And I see them finishing 3-14 because they, they, they lost to the Raiders, the 2-7 the and seven at the time Raiders, and they got absolutely hammered by them. Hammered by the Raiders. And then the following week, they're up against the three and eight Carolina Panthers on their third quarterback of the year. They don't have their best player in Christian McCaffrey. They don't have Robbie Anderson. You know they've got Sam Darnold there, and the Panthers embarrassed the Broncos. This wasn't this wasn't just a, a victory. It was embarrassing. The Panthers outplayed them in every facet of the game, and for the first time, you really saw some holes in the defense. Yeah, it, uh, but I th- I think that c- that can be slightly excused because of how much the the defense had to be out there. Oh, it seemed they, were, like, they it, must oh, have been exhausted. It seemed like they were permanently out there. I, I'm I'm not sure what the actual. Do you know, what? I'm going to find the the time of possession. Caroline had the ball for 37 minutes. Uh, Denver had it for 22 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I think most of Denver's possession time was in that that fourth quarter. Um, yeah, because through the what seemed like the entire first three quarters, it seemed like the Broncos never had the ball. They couldn't get Caroline off the field. But this is what happens. I mean, the law of averages, you know, says that you can have one of the best defenses 
in the entire NFL, which the Broncos do. In my opinion, it's the best defense in the NFL. But you can't do that every single drive. You can't do it every week. It's not sustainable to stop teams all the time. Now, against the Raiders in the previous week, the Raiders put up quite a few points on them. Devontae Adams, as I said, spun Sotan around. Sotan had two bad games in a row. It's going to happen. It hasn't changed my opinion of Pat Sertan as uh, arguably the best cornerback in the entire league. Because he had two bad games. Deion Sanders had two bad games in a row. Rod Woodson had two bad games. Champ Bailey had two bad games. It happens to Hall of Fame caliber players. So I'm not yeah. worried about Pat Sertan. But it just seemed like nothing the Broncos could do was working. The defense was finally getting just pummeled by this running game. And then uh, Donald's beating them over the top. And I don't know if you saw, Dave, I'm, I'm assuming you did, because everybody else did. Um, I think the, the Panthers had a field goal and a nose tackle, Mike Purcell, got flagged. Oh, screaming at Wills? Yeah. Yeah, he I, got well, flagged. He was, he also, as, he's, yeah. as he's running off the pitch, someone says something to Mike Purcell, and I'm assuming it's Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Because in the video, you can see Russell Wilson's jogging to the sidelines and all of a sudden, he looks over, changes direction and runs over to Russell Wilson and starts screaming at him. Now, Nathaniel Hackett is in front of this. He's about two or three yards in front of this and doesn't even turn around. While his nose tackle is screaming blue murder in his quarterback's face. Any other coach would be looking around going, what's going on here? What's happening? What are you doing? Why are you fighting on the sidelines? What the hell's going on out here? But Nathaniel Hackett doesn't because he knows why. He knows why this is happening. And he's, it, I, I swear to God, Nathaniel Hackett just, he just wants to get through this season alive. That's all he wants. Get through this. I, I cannot see him getting out of this season. No. Uh, as the head coach of the Broncos. I, I don't see it. I'm, I'm amazed he's still there. But it looks like at this point they're just going to keep him there until the end of the year and then just find someone else. I think they just don't know what to do now. I think I think it's just reached the point they just don't know what to do. Who they they want to have someone to replace him, and I I think it does kind of look or it comes across as there being a lot of incompetency behind the scenes now. Well, as you said, they haven't made they haven't made decisive action. No, they haven't. As you said earlier, you know who do you replace him with? Anyone, Mm -hmm. literally anyone. I don't care. I don't care who you replace him with. Someone, just anybody that isn't Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. The fan, every time he's there, the fans are like, oh my word, what are we doing? Some of these decisions, clock decisions, timeout decisions. I honestly thought it couldn't get worse than Vic Fangio. And I liked Vic Fangio. But I was, I was pulling my hair out of some of his time management, particularly at the end of games. Um, but, you know, the Broncos are 0-3 in overtime this year. They've lost yes. umpteen games by one score because of their head coach. And it's nobody else's fault because of the head coach. Now, they've lost a couple of games. Uh, one, at least one, maybe two, were on Melvin Gordon's fumbles, which were just at the worst times and in the lost games. couple, you might say, on Russell Wilson. The rest of it, the coach. All the coach. And he has just been absolutely appalling. He has no idea what he's doing. He is so far in over his head, but he won't admit it. Any other coach 
any other coach worth their salt, when you've got one of your defenders at six feet behind you screaming at your quarterback after the defense has given up a field goal, they, they'll be turning around saying, what are you doing? Why are you mm-hmm. screaming at your quarterback? But he knows fine well. It's because Mike Purcell is doing what every Broncos fan is thinking. Just like, do you know what? If I hear let's ride one more time, I'm going to throw you out of here myself. <laughs> yeah. Because and, can't and blame it, them. It yeah. has to be. And then afterwards, Russell Wilson's saying, oh, you know, me and him are on the same page. I don't think you are. I don't think you are on the same page. And I know Mike Purcell then came out and said, oh, you know, you know, we're talking about this and we're doing that. And I said some things. Because that's what he has to do. You know, this is PR. He can't be seen to go out in front of the media and then say, yeah, I told him to go and sling his, you know what? Mm-hmm. Because the offense is utter garbage and we've been carrying them all year. And when we have an off game, everyone's blaming the defense. This is not, this, no. this game, losing this game is not on the defense. Yeah. This is all on the off. It's the worst. It's the worst offense that I have seen in year by any team. By any team. This is the worst offense in years. The 2008 Detroit Lions, who went 0-16, had a better offense than the Broncos do this year. It's better. The Broncos, under Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio, had a better offense than we've got this year. And this was supposed to be the year. The only thing you're missing is a quarterback. That's it. They blamed Teddy Bridgewater. They blamed Trevor Simeon. They blamed Case Keenum. They blamed Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen every, and yeah, Drew every Locke quarterback, and every quarterback every since single quarterback since Pete Manning got blamed yep. for the offensive woes in Denver. Well, there you go. We've got a future Hall of Famer quarterback. This is a repeat of 2012 when we got Peyton Manning. This is a repeat. You've got future Hall of Fame quarterback. Nine-time Pro Bowler. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Mm-hmm. Nine-time Pro Bowler. Super Bowl winner at quarterback. How are you doing? Worst offense since the 2000 Cleveland Browns. And I might add, for anyone who's not aware of this fact, that the 2000 Cleveland Browns were one year removed from being an expansion team in 1999. It was their second season in the league because they hadn't existed before that due to the whole fiasco with the Baltimore. Uh, um, Art Modell moving the team to Baltimore and turning them into the Ravens. Mm-hmm. That was a team of, you know, throwaways and trash picked up off the streets. Had a, an offense comparable to this year's Denver Broncos. It's awful. Do you know who we're playing this week? The <laughs> Baltimore Ravens. And who are you playing next week? I know? Have, who are we playing next week? Patrick Mahomes on the uh, Chiefs. Th- yeah, oh yes. Broncos <laughs> got flexed out of Sunday. The Denver Broncos are so bad. They yep. are so bad to watch that the NFL has removed the AFC Super Bowl favourites from primetime. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, the most watchable team in the entire NFL, has been taken out of primetime because they're playing the Broncos. There's no other reason. It's the, only, the only reason the Chiefs aren't playing in prime time because they're playing the Broncos. 
Yeah. Now, the Chiefs are also playing the Broncos, I think, on New Year's Day. I believe it's New Year's Day. Yeah, I think so. Um, That game should just get flexed to, you know, seven in the morning. Because there's, you know, who who wants to watch that game? Nobody. When when these games were were announced, you know, at the beginning of the season, and everyone's looking at the primetime games, Broncos, Chiefs, Sunday Night Football, Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes, preseason, this looked amazing. What a matchup this is going to be. These two mm-hmm. teams could be at like, you know, 10 and 2 by this point. Both of them. Well, the Chiefs might be. <laughs> the Broncos are likely, likely going to be 3 and 9 going into that game. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't see them beating the Ravens. I mean, no, we got, I, I we got outcoached and outplayed by Sam Darnold. How do you think we're going to face against Harbaugh and Jackson? How do you think we're good, that that's going to go? It'll be. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I'm. You know, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. A, I, I, I keep o- going on. But you, thing- listen, you watched this game, right? right. I did. From a did. neutral point of view, you watched this game. Tell me, what do you actually make of this Broncos team? Can that you offense. see? Can you see them winning a single game this year? I can see them getting close in one because on Christmas Day they're playing the Rams. Apart from that. I don't. I mean, your your schedule is just not in your favor whatsoever. We've got the Chiefs because twice. We've got the Chiefs twice. You've got the Ravens next week. Yep. After after the first Chiefs game, you've got the Cardinals on the eighteenth. Yep. Then you've got the the Rams on Christmas Day. Yep. Which depend depend on the state of the Rams. Um. Then you've got the Chiefs again. Yep. And then and I think it's New Year's Day or just after New it's, Year's it's, Day. You've got it's New Year's Day. Or, we're playing the Chiefs again. Yeah. And then you finish off the season uh, against the Chargers. There's no, honestly, we're, we're going to go three and fourteen. It'll take well, it'll take gonna, a miracle. It'll yeah. take a miracle for us to win a game. The way the Broncos are playing, it's going to take an absolute miracle. And I know this show now. When we started doing this podcast back in uh, February, the week before the uh-huh. Super Bowl, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah. When we started doing this podcast. I think, you know, we sat there and I'd said, right, this is a show about the NFL. It's not a show about, the, you know, the Denver Broncos. Or about our team, yeah. Or about our teams. It's not about the Rams or the Broncos. Um, but, and I know that I keep going on. And I apologize to people who are fans of other teams who listen to me go on and on and on about the Denver Broncos. But it's but it's just so bad. I wouldn't be doing this if they just played well. I don't mind the Broncos losing games. Mm-hmm. Every team loses games, but it's the manner in which they're losing. You're getting embarrassed by a three and eight team, and this was an embarrassed. You're being embarrassed. Uh, I said it to you. I, I I said this is. It's. I think I said it to you uh, when we were chatting during the game. This is pitiful. Yeah, and then. At the end, in the fourth quarter, when they finally did score a touchdown, what I think what, what I said to you was that, you know, it's too little too late, but at the same time, watch the Broncos get another touchdown and then miss the extra point for 16 points. You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. And, and the Broncos but, did, did score and get a, an onside kick. I yes. was like, oh my God, we're going to get 16 points here. <laughs> yeah, um, I nearly called it as well. You, you but, did, you yeah. nearly called it. I was like, oh my God, Dave might be right here because the curse of 16 and these Broncos teams. But I'm just, it's it's so sickening. It's so sickening to watch this team play. And I feel sorry for the, the fans of the opposing teams 
who have to watch this. Be, and I'm not because I mean their teams are winning. They're like, yes. this is great. But just watching this awful, awful football. It's awful. It's, there's, there's no there's no silver and the the other thing is right, right I was talking to our um, resident draft expert Mr. Ewan McPhail the mm. other day uh, in fact it was yesterday I was talking to him now he's a Lions fan as we all know and he was saying well you know the Lions aren't very good either I said yeah but the difference is Ewan the Lions have one of the youngest teams in the NFL they've also got an offense that's trying and they've got an offense scoring points. Yeah. You've got, um, in my opinion, the defensive rookie of the year. You've got guys like Amon Ross and Brown. You've got, you know, Jonathan Swift and Jamal Lewis. Jamal Williams, yeah. Williams, Williams, not Jamal Lewis. Good God, right? from 20 years ago. Jamal, yeah. <laughs> Jamal Williams. They've got a young team that's good. And, you know, they're, they're, they're trying and they're, they're executing certain things. They're not winning many games. They're winning more than the Broncos. But, you know, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. This team. That, that, that's why we've, we've all got a soft spot for the Lions now because of how they play and how they go about it and Dan Campbell. Exactly. And there's light at the end of the tunnel for Detroit because yes. they're a young team. And I, I know for a fact they're thinking, hey, see if we get a good draft pick and we pick ourselves up a half-decent quarterback. We could be looking really good next year. That's what the uh-huh. Lions are thinking. Fans are thinking. The Broncos are tied into this. We've got Russell Wilson for five more years. Five more years of this. And I'm, I'm just I'm just appalled. They've, they've got to get rid of the coach. That, that's happened. If, if they don't sack Nathaniel Hackett at the end of this year, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, it's like, seriously, oh my word. You know, hold on to your britches for next year's podcast because <laughs> I might just lose it entirely. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, the teams like the, the Lions, they're okay, you're not winning many games. You're winning more than the Broncos, but at least you're, you're not absolutely crippled with no draft picks. Um, no cap space so it's not like we can even get rid of Russell Wilson because we're going to pay him 50 million a year for the next five years or four years whatever it is yeah it's, we, we can't get out of this we're stuck with this the owners the owners must be just going what is this team what have we bought yeah then you, yeah they should have come wow. to us Dave we could have told them we could have told them what to do yeah they, 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 for, for Point one percent of that, we would have quite happily told them what to do with it. For point one percent of Nathaniel Hackett's wage, I could go three and out in every drive. No bother. <laughs> they actually save money. Yeah. Just like Frank, you know, you were saying, who do you replace him with? It doesn't matter because even if you don't score any points for the rest of the season, it's the same result, and they've saved a ton of cash. So there, yeah, you you'd be as well just putting in a cardboard cutout. But you'd be as well literally just not having a coach. I'm just saying to Russell Wilson, just improvise every play. I don't care. Just do what you want. Because if we score 10 points a game, that's what we're scoring now. It's fine. Go you, know, that. You, know, you know those random number generators. Just get the play, throw the playbook in there and just pick just one out. Yeah, one, one of those. And then fucking yeah. looking at it and going, what is that? Uh, that's a red 48 XY. I don't know the names of any of these plays. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, exactly. sixty-five toss power trap. We picked it up from Super Bowl four from from the Kansas City Chiefs. Sixty-five toss power trap. Look for sixty-five toss power trap. What does it look like? Hey, look for our sixty-five toss power trap. Let's see what it looks like. 
Gloucester, tell him 65 toss power trap. Get in there for 65 toss power trap. 65 toss power trap. That might pop wide open, Rats. Let's go with that one, yeah. Let's just do that. Matriculate the ball in the field. Let's just run. Let's just run all of the plays that run in Super Bowl for the Chiefs. Let's go with that one. Let's do, just do that. Because you might, you'll still score as many points, if not more, than we're currently scoring. And you won't need to be an offensive coordinator or a head coach. That'll do. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, sorry, Dave. Uh, an apology to Panthers hope- fans. Panthers actually played pretty well in this one. Sam Darnold did yeah, pretty big, good. Big up, Sam Darnold. Big, yeah. big up, Sam Darnold. 11 of 19, 164 yards, one touchdown. Written of 103.8. Didn't have to do anything. And he was quite happy. Um, uh, down to four, man. 24 carries, 113 yards. Chubba Hubbard, that's what I'm calling him. 17 attempts to 65 <laughs> yards. I mean, they, they did really well. They did, they did really well. And yeah. the, the defense, well, I can't give them too much because Bronx offense is so bad. But one thing they did manage to do was get to Russell Wilson. Brian Barnes had two sacks. He looked very good indeed. And Marcus Haynes uh, also picked up a sack as well. So Dave, he caused oh, the, Yeah, he caused a fumble as well, didn't he, did uh, Brian Burns? He did yeah. cause a fumble. So I'll tell you what, Dave, why don't we save everyone some pain and we'll move on to the next game. Yeah, How does that okay. sound? Yeah, let's do it. And we come to MetLife Stadium. The New York Jets versus the Chicago Bears at MetLife. 77,963 fans, as well as millions worldwide, tuned into this game just to see the Jets quarterback. Mike White! What can Mike White do? Because Justin Fields wasn't playing. And it looked like before the game, Trevor Simeon wasn't playing. So we honestly thought we were going to get to see Nathan Peterman at quarterback. For the Bears. Luckily, we didn't get to see that. But it didn't matter anyway, because Mike White did what Mike White does. He threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And do you know what, Dave? That's the first time that a Jets quarterback has done that since, guess who? Uh, Mike White? Mike White. That's exactly <laughs> right. So <laughs> the uh, Jets came away with a 31-10 to 10 win over the Bears. They absolutely st- Duck it to them. And it was a fantastic yeah. performance by the Jets. The Bears unfortunately fall to three and nine. The Jets are seven and four. And you know what? They're only a game off the, the lead of that division. What did you make of this one, Dave? It was a great game. Absolutely fantastic. Particularly if you're a Jets fan. Oh yeah, and it, what a way to get your kind of season back on track. You know, obviously they, they had a good run, they were playing really well. Um they were six and four going into this, which for the Jets you know, considering what's happening, like Brees Hall, their star running back is out for the season. I mean, they they benched their franchise quarterback, Zach Wilson. In comes Mike Wyatt, and he just did the business. It was incredible, and I'm pretty sure that's the end of Zach Wilson as a Jet. I I, I don't. I obviously they they may try to trade him. I doubt they'll cut him because it's going to have a cap penalty, a severe cap penalties for them. Obviously, the second second pick in the draft. That's not going to be good for them. But in this game, it showed why Mike White was, uh, or or was as good as what could have been the second round pick for basically, because he threw the ball everywhere and he was so good. Three hundred fifteen yards, twenty two or twenty eight, and he was. He, it wasn't even just to one guy. He he had ten different receive uh, people that he threw to, ten, and he completed something to all of them. But Garrett Wilson. Is one of the best. He's one of the best up and coming wide receivers in the league, and between him and Mike White, they were just 
it, it was quite impressive. He had five receptions, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. It was really impressive. Um, a good game as, w- as well for Zonovan Knight. Uh, he was the main running back for the Jets um, mm-hmm. on that night. He 69 yards from 14 carries, nice. a- averaging just shy of five yards, but he also had three receptions for 34 yards. So he played really well. Uh, the defense did their job as well. Um, they managed to get to Simeon, uh, I think it was twice, I remember. Yeah, twice, uh, twice I think it was. Um, uh, Simeon didn't have the best game, 14 of 25, 179 yards. He, he did get picked and he also got, uh, he did get one touchdown. David Montgomery got 14 carries for 79 yards, about five and a half yards per run, which is good. It's very good, in fact. Um, they just, but they, they ended up taking in, I think it's Dar- Darrington Evans, I think his name is. Um, he said uh, he was our free agent running back picked up, but um, yeah, without Justin Fields, they were looking pretty lost. Um, they, they, there was a few plays where Trevor Simeon tried to run. He ended up picking eight yards in total. Not good enough, and Simeon, he's he's not not good enough to be really starting in the game. But obviously, they had to with Justin Fields having an issue. I think it was uh, he's got a shoulder issue, if I remember rightly. Hearing, um, but yeah, yeah. Apart yeah. apart from that, the Jets, yeah, march on. They're seven and four now. They do indeed. So here's the thing with Mike White. He started last year. Okay? He did. It's it's hard it's hard to do sort of quantify exactly what his career has been like because Mike White has only started four games. He's been pretty hot cold as well. Well, see the thing is that in in back in oh when was it now twenty twenty one I'm trying to remember what last year was. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was like wow back in uh, when was it again that they were there? it was in twenty twenty one. Mike White started uh, the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. and he exploded. He was he threw for over four hundred yards and three touchdowns in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the following week, they were playing the Indianapolis Colts. I want to say it was it was it was the Colts. Yes, and Mike White in that game went seven and eleven for ninety five yards. And then Josh Johnson came in. And I, I don't know if you remember Josh Johnson. Um, he's a, the journeyman who's played for like 15 teams or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he came in and he threw like 300 yards. He touched him, but they lost the game. But Mike White didn't really play much after that because his, his next game that he played for, for, the, um, for the Jets was against Buffalo. And he got absolutely annihilated. Mm-hmm. He threw four interceptions. He had a terrible game and didn't play again until this week. And the yep. thing was so- that when Mike White was coming in, I was saying, well, they, they should be playing Mike White because we know he can play. He had a, he had a really bad game against Buffalo. It was awful. An yep. awful game. As well. But that was a really good Buffalo Bills defense. You, you can't judge one really bad performance on a rookie and then he comes into this game and last week we'd said, you know, um, Zach Wilson in that game against New England. The, the reason Zach Wilson was benched wasn't because of his performance against New England. The reason... Oh, the season. Well, yeah. But the reason that he was, wasn't even on the field at all, like not even suited up... In my opinion, it's because of what he said after the game. 
Mm. When he said, we didn't let the defense down, like, you gained two yards in the second half. How is that not letting your defense down? You gained two yards in the second half, and this game was 3-3 with 30 seconds to go. That's, that's letting the defense down. Defense did their part, you didn't do your part. But for him to turn around and say, no, we didn't let them down, lost the locker room right there. Mm-hmm. Right there, he lost the locker room. And Mike White came in, put on a show. And he will be the darling of the New York Jets until something bad happens to him. Because there's no way, you're absolutely right, Dave. I, there's no way Zach Wilson, in my opinion, will, will play for this team ever again. I, no. I don't see, barring injuries to Mike White and uh, Joe Flacco. I yeah. don't see Zach Wilson playing for this team again because that is not... You do. You're the second overall pick in the draft. You're the franchise quarterback. And that's what you say after gaining two yards in the second half. What he should have said was, yeah, we let them down really badly and it was all my fault. That's what he should have said. Don't blame anyone else. Don't put blame on the running backs or the offensive line or the wide even Even if the receivers have dropped 10 passes in a row. You're the quarterback. You're the spokesman for this offense. Your responsibility is to take responsibility for these things. Just because you don't like it, you're like, oh no, no, wasn't, no, no, we didn't, we didn't let them down. Yes, you did, horrendously so. So I, th- I think I honestly think that he's played his last game as a Jet, and given that attitude, I don't know many teams who would take him on. I, I really don't. I mean, what do you think, Dave? Do you think would if you were a general manager? Or a head coach, would you take, would you sign Zach Wilson? Never mind his performance this year, which has been subpar at best. After that, that, you know, the attitude that he's shown, would you take him on? Um, if, if I, yeah, I, I think I would, but it would solely be as backup to a, you know, one of the biggest quarterbacks in the league. I, I'm thinking more along lines of the Ravens. Because we 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 know what he can do scrambling Wilson not not necessarily throwing it but he can definitely run with the ball and get out of tight situations we've seen we saw that I think was it against the Broncos was it, uh, yeah no, was yeah it? I mean it's, yeah yeah he, he Brad, has athletic, Bradley yeah. Chubb coming yeah they were we all, know he, he has can, athletic ability yeah but it's it's the fact that this this attitude and this gets lost a lot in in, in players around the league is that people don't think about a player's attitude. Mm-hmm. And as I, I say, he's the spokes, he's the quarterback. He's the spokesman for the offense. And there have been many quarterbacks, many, many quarterbacks who are infinitely better than Zach Wilson, who've taken responsibility for a loss and said, that's on me. I've got to play better. Josh Allen did it just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Stafford. Stafford's, Stafford's done it. it. Mahomes has done it. Patrick Mahomes, when the Chiefs have lost games, has said, that's on me. I need to be better. I need to play better. I can't throw interceptions like that. I can't play like that. This is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning has said this. Yeah. I've got to do better. This isn't good enough. <laughs> You're taking, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Hall of Fame at a, a turnaround in games and says, we didn't get it done because I didn't get it done. And it wasn't his fault. Sometimes it was. 
But it's not all his fault. You know, many different things. Patrick, um, Peyton Manning, so I could say Patrick Manning. Pa- Patrick Manning. See, yeah. I almost said Peyton Mahomes last week and Patrick Manning. You did. I don't know what's going on with me. These, these love childs are getting out of hand. Uh, they <laughs> really are. But uh, yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning said, in, in I can't remember if it was a game when he was playing with the Colts, um, and it was a, a game they lost in the playoffs, and I can't remember. It might have been to the, the Patriots. I think it was. Now, they, they'd lost this game, and it wasn't Manning's fault. The defence allowed, like, 45 points. And Peyton Manning comes out and says, that's on me. I need to, um, you know, we, we lost this game, and I apologise to everyone. This is my fault. And he, That's what you do. You're the quarterback. You take responsibility. Because you are supposed to be the leader of this entire team. Zach Wilson threw his every other person under a bus, particularly his defense, saying, mm-hmm. no, I didn't let anyone down. <laughs> Who did then? If it wasn't you, you're the quarterback of an offense that gained two yards in the second half in 30 minutes of play. I don't even know how many drives they had. I think someone had worked it out. They, they gained two two point three three inches per play. I'm I'm sorry. That, yeah, I think that's I think that's what they actually got two point three three inches per play in that game. That is on the quarterback. Even if it's not, even if that's not his fault, even if he'd all he'd done was hand off the ball and his running backs fumbled on every single play, you take responsibility for it. That's what you do. He acted like a kid, like a child, petulant, yeah. just like, it's not my fault. It, do you know what? In this case, actually, it was your fault. But it's even if it wasn't, take responsibility. Um, I would, I, I'd never sign I'd never sign a player like that. Never. Luckily, I'm not a coach or a general manager, so I'll never need to know about who I would or would not sign. Hey, do you know who I would sign? Mike White. <laughs> and you've got to say it like that. Well, yeah, oh yeah, but I, I, I mean, at this point, I would sign him over Russell Wilson any day of the week. I'd t- if the Jets offered me Mike White for Russell Wilson, I'm taking that today, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, not even I wouldn't even hesitate. I wouldn't. I'd take Mike White. Mike White. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll move on. To, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll this is, is going to be the longest podcast of all time. Oh, We've got the Seattle Seahawks, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh my God! I thought we were going to get quite a game. This one went right down to the wire. Um, it was thirty-four, thirty-four going into overtime in this one at Lumen Field. Sixty-eight thousand eight hundred forty-nine fans packed in. They tried to make it as loud as possible, but wouldn't you know? Someone who must have had his earplugs in was Josh Jacobs. He went off in this game and they finished with an 86-yard walk-off touchdown in overtime. Dave, um, I've talked for far too long already in this one. Handing over to you. On you go. I mean, you, we, we were speaking about this before, about the record that he did set in this game as well. So he's, he's only the fifth quarterback in NFL history to have over 300 yards from scrimmage in a game. Running back. Now, you, r- running back, yes, sorry. Um, so he had, there was two, two running backs in the 60s, Billy Cannon and Keith Lincoln, uh, and more recently, Priest Holmes in 2002, and Adrian Peterson in 2007. And Josh Jacobs has eclipsed them and just kind of uh, gone right up to their level. So, he, he, I mean, he got six receptions for 74 yards, 
uh, and 33 carries for 229 yards, two touchdowns, and that final uh, touchdown at the end, which was just amazingly impressive. And somehow, he is a free agent at the end of the year. Daft Rams, Les Snead, listen to me now and sign this man. It's, I know it's a stacked running back market, but he is worth it. I, I said this a, a couple of weeks in when it was announced that Josh, the fifth year option would not be taken on Josh Jacobs. I want the, I want the Rams to sign this man. I want Cam Akers in the bin and I want this now. But who knows what's going to happen? No one knows what's going to happen. The Raiders don't know what's going to happen. This game, no one knew what was going to happen. The Seahawks, I mean, it was such a back and forth game. It was 24-20 at halftime. I thought the game was going to peter out. Oh, were we wrong? Well, was I very, very wrong? Because well, one player I do want to highlight, though, of the Seahawks um, was Kenneth Walker. Now, Kenneth Walker had 14 carries for 26 yards in the game. Couldn't get much done. However, he did have two touchdowns that he ran in for, and he's also got nine touchdowns in his last seven games. That's pretty impressive. But it just wasn't enough. DK turned up. Gino kept throwing to him. 11 receptions for 90 yards. The Raiders just could not cover him. Didn't get a touchdown, sadly, but um, there was two two receptions, uh, two touchdown receptions for Gino. He did have a one, that one pick, though. 27-37 for 328 yards. Other side of the ball, Derek Carr. 25-36 for 295 yards. Three touchdowns and two interceptions. It was a defensive nightmare. For for both these teams, um, but yeah, it was a what what a fantastic game. Um, I mean, if you look if you look at what I, what did happen on the defense side though, um, three sacks for the Raiders, one for the Seahawks. Um, third down efficiency, the Seahawks only got three of nine, whereas the Raiders got eight of fourteen. They were doing very competently on third down. Apart from that, though, it was it was just a gunslinger back and forth, and someone had to lose it. What a shame it was the Seahawks. I'm so sad and upset about that. Anyway, <laughs> so the uh, Derek Carr, I mean, he obviously linking up to uh, Devontae Adams. You, we know how that goes. Seven receptions, 74 yards. It was a good game. Uh, didn't get massive, huge yards, but you know, he, he got the ball up the field quite often. Derek Carr, I'm not 100% convinced that he is as good as people think he is. Uh, I, I have serious doubts about Derek Carr. But, you know, somehow they come away with the win. They move up to 4-7, and seven, which is, again, another team in your division that we did not think we'd be saying that about. Because mm, true, yes. we, we, we were thinking that all four teams were going to be right in for the playoffs. Oh, we were very wrong about that. Um, and the Seahawks moved back to 6-5, and five, which we never saw that one coming either. So a game of topsy-turvies that pretty much eclipses the whole season. Well, I'll tell you who I want to talk about on the Seahawks. And that's oh, well. <laughs> linebacker Daryl Taylor. Now, <laughs> I I'll, just remembered. <laughs> I'll give you... <laughs> for our listeners, I'm going to give you Daryl Taylor's stat line. Um, no tackles. No uh, interceptions. No passes defensed. No forced fumbles. No fumble recoveries. No quarterback hits. In fact, he didn't really have a stat at all. But he did get on the field, Dave, didn't he? <laughs> he did indeed. Because, 
<laughs> because Seattle is famous for the 12th man, as we know. Uh, mm-hmm. The fans famously call themselves the Twelves. It's a stupid nickname. They need to get rid of it. But it doesn't matter. That's what they call themselves. And, and everyone says the Twelves man in Seattle. Well, on one particular play, Seattle actually did have a Twelves man. <laughs> and not in the way you'd think. Because usually um, when there's 12 men on the field, it's pre-snap and the referee throws a flag. And it's either defensive, you know, 12 men on the field, or on offense, 12 men in the huddle. You know, you can't do that. Derek Carr throws an interception. And I can't I cannot remember who it is who intercepts the pass. I can't remember. But Daryl Taylor um, immediately from the sideline runs on while the play is going on. I think he thought that the the, the player was down and he's yeah. running on to celebrate, but the player gets up and starts running, and all of a sudden he starts blocking. You're like, well, hang on a second. I'm not sure you can do that in this game. Uh, uh, and no flags were thrown. No flags whatsoever. No it flags. was Quandre Diggs that were gone. It was a Quandre Diggs, and not a yeah. single flag was thrown. And I was going, what? He just ran on from the sidelines. What's <laughs> he playing at? But no flags are thrown. So yeah, it looks like Seattle actually do have a 12th man. But you're right, Dave. This was a great game. It was it was backwards and forwards. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, the Raiders come out with a 40-34 win. But my goodness, Josh Jacobs absolutely stuck it to them. So we're going to move on, Dave. And we're going to come to the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Chargers at State Farm Stadium. 63,628 fans. What an absolute doozy. This one went right down to the wire again, um, where Austin Eckler caught a one-yard touchdown pass from Justin Herbert with 15 seconds to go. And then what does the coach decide to do? Brandon Staley, go for two. Let's do it. Sack tying this one up. We're going to go for the win. And the two-point pass was successful. And the Chargers come away with a 25-24 victory. Dave, what did you think of this? Uh, I'm, well, I'm glad to see the Chargers putting a little bit of pride on LA because uh, there hasn't been much of that this season. Um, the Car- Cardinals, Car- I mean, Callum Murray coming back, he, I think that was, that was his first game back after his injury, his alleged injury, shall we say. Um, but he, he just wasn't that impressive. I was not impressed by him at all. Uh, he made some very peculiar decisions. He was... 18 for 29, 191 yards, two touchdowns, and he did also get picked off as well. He had a few runs, uh, seven carries, 56 yards, and he did run in for that touchdown as well. But yeah, it was a very back-and-forth game. Um, uh, Justin Herbert did enough, basically. 35 of 47, 274 yards, three touchdowns. He just didn't want to run the ball. I, I mean, Austin Eckler... He had more receptions than carries. Double, in fact. He had five carries for 20 yards. He had 11 receptions for 60 yards and that touchdown. Um, yeah, they, and basically, Justin Herbert ran when it was busted plays. And he, he did have, uh, I think it was one big run. Uh, he had four carries for 38 yards in total. But um, of actual planned runs, they only had nine. And so they just... Ridiculous. I, I don't I don't really know how they won this with nine rushes, but they did. Um but yeah, he was slinging it everywhere as well. Um Gerald Gerald Everett, the former Ram, was the one that got the two point conversion. He he's I think he's one of the most underrated tight ends in the league. I was really sad to see him go when he did. Um on the Cardinals side, um James Connor, the running back, was pretty impressive. Twenty five carries, hundred and twenty yards. 
And I think the first reception, if I remember rightly, was Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, which we just kind of expect now has been a completion. Also, they welcome back Hollywood Brown, who got six receptions in the game for 46 yards. But again, Cardinals just falling short, which again, we've said that a few times. I've said that a few times. Um, Yeah, it, it was a great game. Chargers sneak it, and I, I think we can definitely say sneak it because I, I, I'm, I'm still not quite sure that the Cardinals were up at halftime. They, they, they came out pretty poor. Chargers weren't much better, but they were just enough, and they got over the line. Now they're six and five with a winning record. So Cardinals drop back to four and eight with a receiving core of DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown and Robbie Anderson, and A.J. Green. I almost forgot about him. He only touched the ball once in the entire game, so A.J. Green there. Four pretty good wide receivers, if not one, with one of the best, and they just can't get it done. No, you're absolutely right. And there, there doesn't seem to be a reason that they can't get it done, because we know Kyler Murray can play. They've got an incredible receiving core. It's not like they've got a terrible offensive line, but for some reason this it's, offense just cannot get on track. Well, they don't have a terrible defense either. I mean, they they sacked Justin Herbert four times, uh, yeah, including J. I, I don't understand why they, they just can't win games. I have no idea what it is. Um, now, sticking with Los Angeles. Ah, sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. Are we going there again? We have to. Um, Arrowhead Stadium. I'm not giving it its full name. It's ridiculous. Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. 73,557 fans watched Patrick Holmes do his thing and watched the Rams just do basically nothing. It was a bit of a shame for them. Again, though, however, you know, give you know, give the Rams a little bit. Okay. Bryce Perkins, it's, you know, he's thrown in at the deep end. It, the, the value of having a good backup quarterback is obviously uh, a, a great thing that we don't see very often. We're so used to seeing these starters just play, you know, for hundreds of games in a row. But Bryce Perkins was no match for Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs came away with a 26-10 win. Dave, what did you make of it? It was quite tough to watch. I mean, it went pretty much as expected. I think, to be honest, the scoreline flattered the Rams. Uh, the picks were pretty bad from Bryce Perkins. It was two interceptions. Um, I mean, the, 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 kind of, well, the Rams player of the match, if there was even one, was probably the punter, Riley Dixon, who actually threw a fake punt and got the first down from that fake punt. He did indeed. So, yes. yeah, it was, he was one one for six yards, so good on <laughs> good on uh, Dixon. But, um, yeah, we, I mean, Brett Perkins is our third-choice quarterback, and John Walford didn't, he, he didn't get put in. Bryce Perkins, he, was run, he ran the ball almost as much as throwing. He had nine carries for 44 yards, but they were looking for it every time, the Chiefs' defense, and he, he couldn't really get anything done. Cam Akers did Cam Akers things, getting four and a half yards per carry. It was about average. Kyron Williams was shut down a lot pretty quickly. Van Jefferson made a couple bad uh, drops as well. He did get the one touchdown. Bryce Perkins' first touchdown um, as a starter throwing to him. We were poor. We were bad. And the, uh, we had uh, the, the game plan on defense was to put Jalen Ramsey on Travis Kelsey. Now, that didn't go so well for us. In terrible all honesty, idea. And terrible it, idea, and and I think Jalen Ramsey is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I mean, it really is, but oh no, bad no, idea. it yeah, it was really bad. Um, our, our biggest tackler was actually Taylor Rapp, uh, who I was kind of lambasting last week, and I continue to do so because 
he 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 wasn't where he should have been, and half the time he was get the the Chiefs players were getting a few extra yards every time he did tackle him or tried to tackle him, I should say. But yeah, um, it's the Lions are going to be very happy with us because we ha- are giving them a brilliant pick this year. Um, I'm trying to find some sort of positives. We didn't fumble the ball. The Chiefs fumbled the ball once, but that's that's pretty much it. We 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 did muff a punt as well. Uh, we blocked a punt, which was quite good. Um, didn't really do anything from that. I think we got a field goal from it, but that was it really. We were we were lucky to be thirteen three down at halftime. That's how bad it was. The, the Mahomes didn't even get out of first gear, let alone second, and it was twenty six ten. And we were three and eight. We're deservedly three and eight. I I, I think we're going to be competing with you. On Christmas Day, and that's it. It's going to be I think the it's going worst to be a, game of all time. It's go- we are going to be crying. <laughs> We're both going to be crying. We're two grown men crying oh, watching dear. football. It's we're go- It's I-, I reckon it's going to be three all going to overtime. It's going to be a tie. It might be nil nil. We might we might have the first ever nothing nothing. Well, after we're, overtime score tie of in NFL history, we're, go, we're both going to end up three thirteen and one. That's what <laughs> that's what our records are going to be. Oh dear lord! So I think I think we'll leave it there. Dave, we'll move on uh, to the San Francisco 49ers the New Orleans Saints at Levi's Stadium. Seventy one thousand two hundred seventy five people watch the San Francisco 49ers Not do an awful lot, but then watch the Saints do even less. As this 49ers defense shut them out, the 13 to nothing win. Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it although I mean he threw 37 passes, mm-hmm. but at no point did it look like he was doing anything. The one touchdown pass that he had was off a deflection. Um, but the Saints just had no answer for this 49ers defense. And my goodness. Are they one? I mean, they are one of statistically one of the best in the NFL. But and I know they were going up to scenes who haven't been like an offensive powerhouse, but they really looked good in this game. This defense for the 49ers. What are you thinking, Dave? The, the other thing that gets me is that despite all the weapons this 49ers offense has, they really couldn't get anything going. No, they couldn't. And I think um, I, I, at times, I think this the. For the 49ers to get 13 points almost flattered them at times because it was really poor offensively on both sides. Jimmy G, 26 of 37 for 222 yards. He did get the touchdown. Uh, that was thrown to Jennings, if I remember rightly. I've got it run down front of me, but I think it was Juwan Jennings that got the touchdown, um, if I remember rightly. Debo got a few receptions, um, three for four, three receptions, 43 yards. Um Brandon Ayuk, which seems to be wide receiver one for Jimmy G at the moment, uh, putting in another good performance, five receptions for 65 yards. But yeah, the defense were impenetrable. They were amazing. I said it to our delightful 49ers colleague, Ennis, that I am I hate Frank Warner. I really hate Frank Warner. They only got to Andy Dalton once, um, but... They they just they covered so well. They shut down the run game in a way I've never seen the Saints run game shut down quite like that. Andy Dalton was their best rusher for four carries for 21 yards. And quite clearly they were not planned because it was Andy Dalton. Um I mean, Alan that, Kamara. That, that's that's just painful on a team with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. It, it was, but between Alvin Kamara, uh, Taysom Hill. And Mark Ingram, they got 
33 yards from 17 carries. That's less than two yards per carry. Sorry, it was 36 yards. So it was just over two yards per carry. That's, that's ridiculous. I've, ne- I've never seen the Saints do that. A Saints offense. I, it, 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 that, that just doesn't happen. The Do- uh, Andy Dalton, 18-29 for 204 yards. He didn't throw an interception. Uh, Chris Olave was still the star of that of that offense. Five receptions, 62 yards. He did pretty well. Um, Jarvis Landry was kept pretty quiet. Um, I did see that Rashid Shahid had a good, a big pickup of yardage as well. That was one very good play by Andy Dalton. Um, apart from that, though, it, it was awful. It was really, really awful. Um, Taysom Hill didn't have a good game either. Uh, I th- the, the star of the Saints defense so, was Caden Ellis. Uh, Ellis or Elise, I think his name is. Um, he's he's their, one of their starting linebackers. He had 12 tackles and two assists in that game, but he was just getting pummeled because the, um, mm. you know, he was doing his job, but the rest of the Saints weren't really. The defense weren't bad. The 49ers offense wasn't great. The Saints offense was one of the worst and it rivaled the Broncos in that game. So um that, I said rivals. Uh, that that's that's not a good thing. It really wasn't a good thing. I feel bad for the Saints fans because they, they didn't they the Saints uh, well the Saints fans don't deserve to see that. They deserve to lose the game, but the 49ers didn't really deserve to win the game, if that makes sense. They 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 weren't great, but they didn't really need to be all all things considered. But Somehow the 49ers go to 7-4. and four. The Saints kind of, I'm sorry to say, deservedly are 4-8. From there, we're going to move on to the Sunday night game, and it was the Philadelphia Eagles and the Green Bay Packers at Lincoln Financial Field, where 69,879 fans watched their Eagles move to 10-1 and one with a 40-33 win over the Packers. Much higher scoring, I think, than a lot of people thought it would be, Dave. A great game. Jalen Hurts doing his thing again. What did you make of this one? It was a great game. Well, yeah, Jalen Hurts did do his thing, but not in the most conventional quarterback way because he did his thing on on his feet. The Packers just weren't watching him because they were too scared of you know, uh, him throwing it to players like A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Smith, and then, of course, you had that brilliant uh, catch from Quez Watkins as well. That that was a fantastic touchdown. Uh, I was really impressed with that. He kind of, um, I, th- I think it was Jair Alexander who was on him, and it it was like a kind of not, I think it was deliberately slight, it looked like it was underthrown, but he kind of just took that extra step because the cornerback wasn't looking at the ball took a step back, caught it on the one-yard line and just fell into the end zone. It was a great touchdown, but this was end-to-end and the game, they both came out firing. It was 27 points to 20 at half time, and again, another game that I didn't want to go to bed for. Um, but the, Pack- the Packers... Aaron Rodgers went down hurt. Now, I think he, he's, it was his ribs that he was holding that I saw, but I'm pretty sure he's got a broken thumb as well. So we've got a very poorly put back together Aaron Rodgers that was out there for most of the game. Jordan Love came in and I tell you what, Jordan Love didn't look that bad. We haven't seen Jordan Love much, but he really, he he looks like a kind of younger version of, I, I don't know, uh, I, I don't name me a good quarterback because that's what he looked like. Um, but yeah, <laughs> did, you, he, he, did you just forget the name of every good quarterback? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, I, 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 I was going to say Aaron Rodgers, but he, he doesn't. He didn't quite look like a prime Aaron Rodgers. But uh, his stats for the game: 
6 of 9, 113 uh, yards, one touchdown. He threw that massive touchdown to Christian Watson for 63 yards, and he also had a pass rate of 146.8. Not bad to come in and replace a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. But if Aaron Rodgers needs to sit out next week, I would be... I would be absolutely fine with it if I was a Packers fan because Jordan Love looks decent. We've finally seen a bit of him, what he can actually do, and he did it. He, he threw perfect to Christian Watson. He was very competent. He made some good good calls and good reads of the defense. Um, Packers got done in the running game as well. 20 carries between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones uh, for 107 yards. A.J. Dillon got in with a touchdown. Christian Watson, with that big 63-yarder, got it over 100 yards in the game uh, and that touchdown. So, yeah, uh, Packers, unlucky to lose this. Eagles, though. Jalen Hurts, 16-28, only 153 yards. He did get two touchdowns, but on the ground, 17 carries for 157 yards. And also, Miles Sanders, 21 carries for 143 yards, two touchdowns as well. Um yeah, the, the, it was just an offensive uh, masterclass from both teams. Unfortunately, someone had to lose. And yeah, the Eagles, again, get it done. Their head coach, very big celebrations again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a game that did not disappoint whatsoever. The only thing that I did note as well, Aaron Rodgers actually got picked off twice in the game, which is not something you see every week. No, it's not something you see every week. And um I don't know, these Packers, do you reckon... Hot and cold. Very, more cold than hot, but yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Do you reckon Aaron Rodgers is still there at the end of at the end of the year? I reckon he's, well, starting next year, Green Bay? Like uh, no, I don't think he'll retire. If, if, he, if he carries on, I think there's going to be a big chance of a trade. I, I genuinely think there's going to be a big chance of a trade. It could even be to a team like the Falcons. Uh, I think the Falcons are obviously the Falcons are obviously a team in need of a quarterback badly, but I don't think their record is going to get them a quarterback that they can that they're really big on. So I think they, there's a chance that they could trade. For example, they could uh, try to hand off Mariota. I don't think so, but they'll try to hand off Mariota and maybe a, another a first and a second kind of thing for Aaron Rodgers. But we'll see. Yes, we will indeed. And we then come to the final game, which is the Indianapolis Colts at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. 65,982 fans watch this one, and the Steelers come away with a 24-17 win over the Colts. And this was Kenny Pickett was starting again, and he was efficient, if nothing else. 20-28, 174 yards, no touchdowns, but no picks either. Matt Ryan uh, matched him stride for stride in that, but he had one touchdown, one pick. And it was just, it was, I'm going to be honest, Dave, apart from the the long uh, kickoff return at the start of the second half for the Colts, the Steelers really looked in charge of this one pretty much all the way. I mean, was there anything that you saw in this that was any different that made you think that maybe the Colts had a chance to win it? Because when I was watching this one, I just thought the Steelers got this wrapped up pretty much from the word go. I think the Colts, um, there was at one stage when I was thinking um, they should call a timeout. They need to call a timeout. So that I think that was late on. And, you know, obviously they're trailing. But that may be... Uh, slight inexperience of Jeff Saturday 
as head coach. His clock management was not fantastic in that game. Um, he should have called a timeout at one point, and I think they lived to regret it. Um, the one thing I did pick up, though, from the Steelers was that Kenny Pickett is very good against the Blitz. He, he was showing he was really competent against the Blitz. He was able to get the ball out quickly, um, not always you know directly to a receiver, but he did do really well. He was 20 or 28, didn't pick up big yards, only 174 yards, but he was competent. I think that's just experience starting to show for them. So, yeah, they've got, I'm starting to see some benefits with Kenny Pickett now. Um, considering that the, his few, the few games before has not been ideal, um, you know he's, he's he's throwing it across the board as well. Even Najee Harris managed to get a catch. Uh, Najee Harris though only ten carries for thirty five yards and one he did get one touchdown, but they ended up having Benny Snell in there uh, for twelve carries, sixty two yards and a touchdown, and he was much more efficient than Najee Harris has been all season. So that's an interesting one to watch at the running back for for Pittsburgh. The other side of the ball, Matt Ryan uh, didn't look ideal. 22 of 34, 199 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Josh Taylor looked a bit better. 20 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. But even Matt Ryan took off a couple times as well. Four carries for 22 yards. So that was an interesting sight to see. It's always a big sight, a good sight to see an old, big, lanky man in Matt Ryan running down the field. So uh, that's an interesting one. Um yeah, I, th- I think the Colts have something something to build on. I think Jeff Saturday's got a lot to learn, though. Um, so, yeah, the the Steelers win. They get the win. They move to four and seven, but they've still got a lot of problems. And I mean, what one of the things that I did pick up is that both teams uh, had three sacks in the game. Uh, there wasn't many penalties, which was decent. But the Steelers were really good on the clock management. Uh, the Colts left a lot to be desired. The Steelers had the ball for nearly 35 minutes compared to the Colts' 25. I mean, they did enough, didn't they? It's a very Mike Tomlin kind of performance, and they, they got the job done. It, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I know you said that Jeff Saturday's got a lot to learn, but, you know, let's not forget that three weeks ago he was coaching high school football. It was, so, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, give him a, we'll give him a pass on that one. So that wraps up our Week 12 a recap. My God, that was a long one, Dave. No, <laughs> Sorry, I'm out of went. breath. I'm out. Oh, breath. I know. So I think what we're going to do is going to take a very short break, and then I will come back with our week 13 uh, rapid fire preview, and then we will have a random stats. We'll catch you uh, just after this. Welcome back to the Winning Fans Show. I'm Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Dave Somerville, and we're going to be doing our rapid fire week 13 preview. And of course, we start with Thursday night football. That's an AFC East matchup between the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Guess what, Dave? I've got the Patriots shocking the Bills in this one in oh. overtime with a 20 to 17 victory. What do you think? I, I, I'm not going to go to overtime. But I, I think the Patriots are going to sneak this as well. I think it's going to be 20, 23 to uh, 21 I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for the safe option that there's going to be a good few field goals from the Patriots and Bill Belichick is going to put on a, a masterclass against one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Wow, we're both going for taking the Patriots on that one. Mm. We then have the Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens. No chance the Broncos win. I'm taking the Ravens <laughs> in a fairly uh, convincing one in this one. I've got them 27 to 10. I've got a similar scoreline, but I'm going for 24 points to 16. <laughs> 16 again for the Broncos? God <laughs> yeah. damn you. We then have the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure if Justin Fields is playing in this game. 
but I'm taking the Bears to win. And I'm taking the Bears again in a low-scoring affair, but, well, not as low-scoring, for the Bears winning this one, 24-22. to 22. Oh, I think we're kind of polar opposites here because I think the Packers are going to sneak out a win here. I think it's going to be 31 points to 27 for the Packers. Because mm. I think w- whether it's Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers, I think they're going to do it. And if Justin Fields is playing, I think I don't think he's going to be at 100%. So I'm picking the Packers to win this one. Then comes the Washington Commanders at the New York Football Giants. And I think the Commanders do it again. I think the Giants are just going to lose uh, it's like fifth in six weeks, I think. Uh, and I've got the Commanders this, winning this one fairly convincingly, actually. I've got a 31-20. to 20. Well, I'm going for the Giants to win this one. And I'm going. it's going to be another close one. But I'm going for 19 points to 18 for the Giants. Wow. So I, I, I think that the Commanders... I'm going against Taylor Heineke this time, but I, I, yeah, I think the Giants will get back to winning ways. We then come to the Battle of the Big Cats. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Detroit Lions. And I'm not going to lie to you, Dave. I have is jumping between these ones about four times. Mm. And I've finally settled on the Detroit Lions at home. And I've got them winning this one by a score of 27 to 26. I have the Lions win as well. I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring. I've got them winning by 31 points to 24. We then come to our upset of the week pick. The New York Jets at the Minnesota Vikings. We've got the Jets winning this one. I've got this one actually a surprisingly easy win for the Jets because I think Mike White is going to do what he does best. Um, Although I think the Vikings will score some points, I've got the Jets winning this one 34 to 24. Ooh, obviously we're going for the Jets for a win, but I've got a, it's a relatively low-scoring game, so I'm going to say it's going to be 17 points to 13 for the Jets. We then have the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Um, I don't see any way the Texans win this. Uh, the Browns no. obviously will have uh, Deshaun Watson back. We've yet to see what he can do. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, but I think the Browns will win this one out. I've got them winning this one by 21 to 10. Ooh, we're very, very close. I've got 21 points to 13 for the Browns. Uh, I, I think uh, Deshaun Watson might take a, a little while to get going, but I think the Browns with uh, Nick Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt, obviously at running back, are going to get the job done against the Texans. Then the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Atlanta Falcons, and I've got a fairly comfortable win here for the Steelers, twenty to ten over the Falcons. I think I think the Falcons might sneak this. I, I, I just I don't think it's going to be down to Mariota. I've got faith in Cord- Cordell Patterson and also in Drake London. Um, so I I think the Falcons will sneak this one. I think it's going to be a really low scoring one though. I'm going to go for a fourteen points to ten win for the Falcons. Wow, I like it. We then have Tennessee at Philadelphia, and I'm taking the Titans. I don't think this Eagles defense will be able to slow down Derrick Henry like some of the other ones have been able to do. I think it gets back on track, and I think the Titans upset the Eagles, albeit in a close one. I've got a 24-23 to Tennessee. I'm not ready to write off Jalen Hurts in this one against the Titans. I think the Eagles are going to win this one. I think it's going to be 31 points to 28. We then have the Miami Dolphins at the San Francisco 49ers, and I am betting on Jimmy G to explode in this one. I think the Dolphins will exploit this 49ers defense like others haven't been able to do, but I think Jimmy G will get it done, and I've got a 35-34 to 34 win to the 49ers. 
Well, I'm going for a sneaky Dolphins win, and I think it's going to be 21 points to 20. I think the 49ers offense is going to let the team down. I think there'll be a few. The Dolphins will be able to get a few in, but I think the offense of the 49ers will let them down. We then come to the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Now, I'm not sure if Matt Stafford is going to be playing in this game, so I'm sorry, Dave. I am taking the Seahawks in this one, and I've got them winning it fairly convincingly with a score of 24 to 16. Uh, I've got a 27 point to 9 win for the Seahawks. I just I cannot see anything going well for the Rams. We've also got Alan Robinson, who's now an IR. So that, that just adds to it. So, yeah, end of the season. Seahawks win, sadly. I've then got to the Seattle. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I've then got Dude, to Kansas. That's right. <laughs> visit, the second, visit a second time to rub it in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and I've got the Chiefs actually running away with this one. I've got them winning this one 35 to 14. You know what? I'm going for a Bengals win. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm going for a sneaky Bengals win. I Spicy. think Patrick Mahomes is going to slip up. And I think the Bengals are going to win this one by 27 points to 24. It's a spicy pick. I like it. Mm. We then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think Justin Herbert does the business this time. I think the Raiders revert to who they were. And I've got the Chargers winning this one by a score of 27 to 19. Well, I'm going to go for a big all out there pick. And I'm going to say that this is the third game in a row that the Raiders take this game to overtime and win. So I think it's going to be 22 points all with a then walk-off field goal for the Raiders for to win 25 points to 22. Wow. Well, I've got the next game going into overtime. It's Indianapolis Colts at the Dallas Cowboys, and I think the Colts upset the Cowboys. Going into overtime at 24 all, and they come away with a field goal to win a 27-24 in overtime. I think the Cowboys are going to absolutely annihilate the Colts here. I've got them scoring 42 points and the Colts scoring 10. Wow. Well, we then come to the new final game, the Monday night game, the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think the Saints do it. I think they're going to win this one in Tampa Bay, beat Tom Brady. I think Andy Dalton's going to get on track, uh, albeit in a fairly low-scoring affair. I've got the Saints winning this one by 20 points to 16. Oh. <laughs> I, I've got the Bucks winning this, but my score is 19 points to 16. So I think we're very, very close on the points line, but I think the Bucks are just going to scrape it. Something's going to happen. There's going to be an officiating call that's going to go against the Saints and the Bucks are going to sneak it. Wow, that would never happen that an officiating call goes Tom Brady's <laughs> way. Good grief. And never that, ever. that wraps up our Rapid Fire Week 13 preview. So Dave, we've got time for one last segment, of course. Yeah. Uh, and it is, of course... Random Stats. So, uh, would you like to go first, or shall I go first this time around? No, I, I went first last week, so I'll, I'll, oh, you I'll did. let the host goes first. Okay, yeah, so you did go first last week. So, um, I'm going to talk about Lamar Jackson. Now, we mm. spoke about Lamar Jackson earlier, and I said I was going to speak about him again. And the reason I'm going to do that is because Justin Fields has been on a run. Justin Fields currently has 834 rushing yards this season. But, of course, he's missed a game. He may miss another game. We're not sure what's Mm -hmm. happening with him. Uh, But that, of course, that brings us to the all-time rushing record by a quarterback, which, of course, is Lamar Jackson in 2019. He went for over 1,200 
yards in 2019. Mm-hmm. Actually, 1,206 yards on a, at 6.9 yards by carrying seven touchdowns. Now, we all know this about Lamar Jackson, that he's a great runner of the ball. You you could argue he's already the best rushing quarterback of all time, purely from oh, yeah. a yardage point of view. Obviously, many, many touchdowns behind uh, someone like Cam Newton, but he's got many years left to play. Uh, God willing. So we know this about Lamar Jackson, but what a lot of people don't know is that Lamar Jackson is a very, very efficient passer of the ball. Now, I'm going to give you some some (laughs) stats. You're you're laughing. I'm laughing because of what what I've just said about an hour ago. I know, and that's why I said I was going to bring this up, because not a lot of people know this. Now, I'm going to give you a stat here. And it's okay. it's quite an important stat. It's to do with passing touchdown percentage. Okay? Now, okay. this is literally the percentage of attempted passes that went for touchdowns. Now, obviously, as you would expect, you know, the, the, the leading guy of active players is Patrick Mahomes. 6.5% of every throw he's made has gone for a touchdown. Uh, this is in, in your career, by the way. Uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is 6.3. Now, I'm going to go through a few names that you might be familiar with because when you think of quarterbacks throwing touchdown passes, there's a couple of names that jump out at you, like immediately jump out at you. You've got guys like Drew Brees. 5.4% yeah. of all of his passes went for touchdowns. Peyton Manning, 5.7% of all of his passes went for touchdowns. The great Norm Van Brocklin, 6% of his passes, every pass he threw, went for a touchdown. Russell Wilson's at 5.9. Tom Brady's down to 5.4. Lamar Jackson, 6.1. 10th all time in touchdown percentage. 10th all time in his career. Now, he's, that, that's better than Hall of Famers. Like, you know, guys like Bob uh, Waterfield and Sonny Jurgensen and Norm Van Brocklin and Peyton Manning and George Bland and Johnny Unitas and Bob Greasy and Teddy Bradshaw and Tom Flores. He is better at throwing touchdown passes than all of these players. And only Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have a better percentage of touchdown passes active than Lamar Jackson. That is my random stat. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put something out there and think that your motivation behind this stat was actually not that Lamar Jackson, but that the Broncos signed <laughs> cornerback Lamar Jackson. To, was it today? I, it was announced. I'm, I'm not. It was yesterday. I'm not going to yes. lie to you. I saw <laughs> the headline, and I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Andrew Mason or someone on Twitter who says. Broncos sign Lamar Jackson. There's a picture of Lamar Jackson, <laughs> number eight for the Baltimore Ravens. I was like, holy hell. And then it says, Broncos sign Lamar Jackson, cornerback, to play against Lamar Jackson <laughs> of the Ravens in this week's matchup. And I was like, you dirty person. You. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, so just for a split yeah. second, I thought we'd sign Lamar Jackson. And I was like, thank God. I thought we'd trade him for Russell Wilson. And I was so happy. But we would. We didn't. We signed a cornerback. He might be good. We we could use another cornerback. I'll be honest. We could. So that's that's good. Anyway, yeah. So that was my yeah. random stat. 
Well, I I I, I like that stat. I I mean, I'm still not convinced about him on on the feet, but once he gets to the red zone, you know, his stats. He's literally kind of the tenth best of all time. Yeah. Literally tenth best of all time. So I want to put this into perspective for you. Fran Tarkenton, thirty third. Josh Allen, thirty fifth. Kirk Cousins, thirty ninth. Justin Herbert, forty seventh. Jimmy Garoppolo, fiftieth. Oof. Dak Prescott, fifty sixth. Ouch. I mean, I'm not Jackson, ten. Ten. (laughs) Only Patrick Mahomes and Aiden Rodgers have a better touchdown percentage than Lamar Jackson. Oh, active. Again, you look at... No, the hilarious thing is that some the guys at the top are all from like the 30s and 40s and 50s. Yeah. Because they they just run, they ran the ball. Yeah, they never threw the the ball at all. So Mm -hmm. apparently they only threw it at, at the goal line. So Sid Luckman... Uh, the great Sid Luckman, um, uh, 7.9%, nearly 8% of all of his passes were touchdowns. Frankie Albert, a guy I've never heard of, um, played for San Francisco from 1946-1952. Frank Ryan, another guy I've never heard of, uh, 7%, played for three different teams. Otto Graham, of course, the great Otto yeah. Graham. Otto. Fourth all-time, 6.6%. Patrick Mahomes is 65 and then uh, the the great Len Dawson, who of course uh, passed away earlier this year, R.I.P. Len Dawson, uh, also six point four percent there. So yeah, um, but, but Lamar Jackson, tenth all time. So I'm I'm just saying, saying, that, you know, he's pretty good throwing the ball. Anyway, sorry. Yes, that was me. That was me adding it on to my random stat. The last thing I need to be doing is adding things on here. Because uh, th- this is already, I think, the longest, longest oh, this podcast will be, we've absolutely. ever done. So anyway, Dave, yeah. uh, uh, <clears throat> what is your random stat? So my random stat, I want to focus on one player. Now, um, he, he's been a relative unknown. He's been in the league for uh, not very long because he, he was an uh, undrafted free agent. Um, he was born in 2000, so he's 22 years of age. But what I want to uh, talk to you about is he's actually the first NFL player that was born in Hong Kong. Now, he's, a, he's actually already had, a, I'd say, a borderline career highlight this year already. Now, the man I'm talking about is Cameron Dicker, the kicker. Oh, yeah. Which I, th- I think is one of the best nicknames ever. Cameron Dicker, the, the kicker. I nearly said that very, very wrongly. You, you nearly did. So, <laughs> you nearly did. Now, you got away with it. It's okay. I got away with it. Okay. So we can keep a PG thirteen rating. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So he was initially signed to the Rams um as an undrafted free agent back in August. Um but he ended up signing for the Ravens because he ended up just going on practice squad. Uh Ravens picked him up, but this was then waived two days later. So that was a bit of a kick in the gut for him. Um yeah, he then signed to the Eagles practice squad. Uh, made two field goals on his debut against Cardinals in, back in October, including a game-winning 23-yarder in the final two minutes. For, um, and he was named to the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, but then, sadly, three weeks later, he was then released by the Eagles. So what he's, he's now joined the, the LA Chargers. Now, what he's done for the LA Chargers since then is he's made two field goals, including a game-winning 37-yard kick 
as time expired against the Falcons. Now, for his performance, he won a second Special Teams Player of the Week award. He's he's the first rookie kicker to win the Special Teams Player of the Week award for two different teams. And he's also the the first rookie kicker to win the Special Teams Player of the Week award for two different teams in two different conferences. So not only is he the first player born in Hong Kong to play in the NFL, but he's also already set a record, or well, arguably set two records, but he set a record. So big up to uh, probably someone with one of the best names and nicknames in the league, Cameron Dicker the Kicker. And that is my random stat. That's a damn good stat, Dave. I like that one. Quite like it. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, I, I was quite impressed that, you know, he was the first rookie kicker to win the Special Team Player of the Week award for two different teams in the league. That, that's quite impressive. Very, very impressive. Of course, you know, I, I mean, imagine, like, see, see if the Jacksonville Jaguars kickers, uh, <laughs> they'd be like the first team to have, like, five different guys win Special Teams Player of I mean, Cameron Dickers had four teams already this year, and he's got awards at two of them, and the four, season's not four. even over. God, he was, that's ridiculous. He was at the Rams for 10 days. He was at the Ravens for two days before he was picked up by the Eagles and then cut, I think it was three, maybe four weeks later. See, if you hadn't told me about the, the fact that he's won awards, you know, then I would just automatically think he's rubbish. Because he's been in four different teams in one year. Like, oh, he must be rubbish. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can't kick. So that's why he's under four different teams. Uh, but no, I mean, if he's won, he's already won two awards. He's, so, he's <laughs> only attempted four field goals. And he's made four field goals. So he's got 100% field goal making ratio. And he's also, he's also been a kickoff person as well. And he's had four touchbacks. So he's got the distance. He's got it's only as long as field goal is only forty two yards, but hang on a sec, hang, yeah. hang on, hang on. <laughs> Did you say he's been on four different teams this year? Yes, and he's attempted four field goals. Yes, and he's made them all. Yes. So what? I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to quantify because this. He's what? So what? What? What's happened at all these teams is that he's covered for injuries, basically. So uh, if you if you look at the Ravens. Now we we can get kind of get an idea who he was covering for in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. Right. That you get a pass for that. <laughs> you get a pass. A, a, a marginal that. pass, maybe. Yeah. No. No. Um, of course you do. Of course. Now he was also at the Eagles. Yes. So who's the Eagles kicker? No idea. Uh, <laughs> so, off the top of my head, I, I probably do know who it is. Is it Jake? Jake Elliott? I want to say Jake Elliott. Yeah, 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 I'll I'll agree with that. Okay, I don't have it in front uh, of me, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, apologies, well, Ram- apologies to the Eagles <laughs> kicker who's probably listening to this podcast. Obviously, um, there's that, nothing nothing else to do. Exactly. And what else would they be doing? You know, they're, they're not playing on Thursday. I mean, they're not they're, they're not just going to keep kicking it for twelve hours a day, so they must be listening to us. Well, yeah, because their legs get tired. You can't just keep doing it. I mean, if they don't have stamina in this game, they're in the wrong. They're in the wrong one. But they don't um, need stamina. <laughs> Literally, well, that, need, well, I don't know. Like Broncos punter does, he needs loads of stamina. <laughs> yeah, and Brandon Marshall needs a bit of stamina as well. <laughs> uh, in fairness, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So uh, what what's happened at LA? The LA Chargers now is that he's actually been signed uh, to replace Dustin Hopkins, who was the kicker uh, for the mm-hmm. Chargers. Yes. 
Um, and for the Rams, it was Matt Gay that he was covering for. So Matt, Matt Gay is Mr. Reliable. He's one, I think he's one of the best kickers in the league, uh, in I my know, humble Cameron opinion. Cameron Dicker sounds like Mr. Reliable. He's not Mr. Kicker. He's starting to sound like the kicker version of Philip Lindsay, who just can't get a gig but has never made a mistake. If- well, because <laughs> right, it's like I'm a hundred percent. I do know, like ten years from now, we'll be seeing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, He's so gonna be t- able to t- just tell his grandkids. Yeah, yeah, so like ten years from now, we'll be going. Oh, and the, actually, the believe it or not, the most uh, the most consecutive field goals ever made was Cameron Dicker. He he he, he kicked like five hundred consecutive field goals for thirty two different teams over a twenty five year period. But you know, and two game winners. You know, two, two game winners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, but he couldn't. He can keep down a job, but he's never actually missed a kick in his entire life. Mm. That's what's what we're going to be seeing years from now. Well, big up, big there. up, Dicker the Dicker the kicker, Dicker the kicker. <laughs> ah, that's a great name. I love it. <laughs> it's like sometimes kickers have the best names. Kickers, punters. The, you know the guy, the guys that are underrated. But they do sometimes. We just, love we love special teams here. Oh, the special teams are the best, the absolute best, and that's why we love guys like you know Cordell Patterson and just uh, uh, returners. Glenn Milburn, yeah, Glenn, Glenn Milburn. Milburn. Hey, shout out all pro, all pro player Glenn Milburn, NFL record holder. Glenn, we need to see if we can get Glenn back on the show. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a really good. We need to get Glenn Milburn back on the show. He's a lot. He's an absolute gentleman. Uh, and a you know NFL record holder and all pro former all pro player so mm-hmm. yeah we need to get him back on the show to see what he thinks of Cordell Patterson. Uh, so there we go, Dave. I, do you know what we made it to the end? We made we it to the end of. I'm not this sure episode. how we did, but we did. Uh, we did. <laughs> yeah, I know it's ridiculous, but here we are, and um, I can I can almost hear the dog just saying, "Will you please get off that microphone and give me a snack." Just looking at me. Just looking at me with those eyes. My goodness. Uh, so anyway. Being a Broncos fan, you're going to throw it and he's going to completely miss it anyway. Wow. <laughs> well, listen, let me tell you something. So the other day, the other day, um, on, on Sunday there, and my, my brother was over, he was visiting, and he was, stay, he was staying over here with us. And he says, oh, are we, are we going to be watching the, the, the NFL? I was like, well, of course we are. That's what we do. And mm. as I was saying this, the dog, Einstein, that's her name, she looks mm. at me and she was like, and she's Don't. thinking, <laughs> do I have to watch the Broncos again? Because like, I could wow. tell, she's just looking at me going, why do we watch this garbage? I mean, she's a dog. She doesn't know what's going on. But, you know, she's just like, oh, do we? She, she knows how bad this Broncos offense is. Yeah. She should could she I should can, call plays. She could call plays better than Nathaniel Hackett. I'm Jeez. telling you. But yeah, so she was just like, Oh, do we need to do that? I was like, Yes, we do. Here, have a snack and go away. <laughs> and then she was just like she she just basically lay in her bed for like whatever six hours that we were watching NFL for. Sometimes sometimes I feel sorry for the dog. I do. And and, and my wife, of course. I feel sorry for her. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think you should prioritize one over the other. It's oh, luckily my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. So, oh. But no, I wouldn't. Of course not. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. No, I love Ooh. my wife. I love my yeah. wife. That's why I managed yeah. her. I wouldn't have managed yeah. her if I didn't. You know. Uh, but she doesn't really get the NFL. She watches it by proxy sometimes. 
She's like, oh my god, you're watching this again. I, was I like, mean, yeah. she could probably call call plays better than Nathaniel Hackett. Well, do you know? Do you know what? She also can recognise Patrick Mahomes better than Martin Brundle can. Just, <laughs> just saying, bringing it back right. to that one. Yes, that was hilarious. So anyway, Dave, it has been a pleasure. Been a pleasure as always. Thank you to everybody for listening to us. Uh, apologies for going on for so long. I'm not quite sure how that happened. I'm sure it wasn't all me ranting about the Broncos. Um, but yes, um, it's, you know, week 13 is coming up. Can't wait for it. Please feel free to hit us up on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can also find myself and Dave on Twitter. We do appreciate all the comments that you guys give us. And of course, we appreciate all the support. Uh, we're getting close to the last quarter of the season. We're really looking forward to the postseason. Um, and of course, you know what, Dave? Christmas is around the corner. And I believe I was talking to uh, Mr. Tim Durbin. Uh, he'll be oh. joining us again uh, in de- later in December, hopefully for a wee Christmas special edition. Nice. So that should be good as well. And we look forward to speaking to all of you later on in next week's edition of the WinFL Show. <laughs>